Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. And it's Sunday, August 14, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 330. This is No Agenda. Reporting from the front lines of Gitmo Nation from the Four Winds 5000 Crackpot Command Center in the Keystone Commonwealth from the Log House on the Lake in Shikshini in the great state of Pennsylvania. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And with no further ado, and from northern Silicon Valley, where it's pleasant, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Woohoo, that was a mouthful. In the morning. Uh, in the morning to you, in the morning, all ships at sea, boots on the ground. Adam yeah. Curry. Yes, John C. Dvorak. Back to you, Wolf. Thank you. And in the morning to all of our human resources who are dutifully lined up and uh, charged uh, with two batteries, one cup in the chat room, noagendachat.net, noagendastream.com, uh, ready to go. It's funny, I saw Gizmodo actually uh, try that. I, you know, people listen to our show and then they pretend like they heard it themselves. Like the guys from Gizmodo are watching PBS. And then they say, oh, well, we tried this two batteries in a, in a glass of water. It didn't work. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. For those of you who didn't hear the last episode, one of the uh, Syrian rebels who lives in Turkey was interviewed on a National Treasure PBS and said, uh, yeah, we charge our cell phones with, by dropping two uh, Duracells in a glass of water. And then sticking the USB cable in after an hour. And it works. And people say, people get really angry. Hey, man, don't write that shit off, man. And they'll send me like a link to a, a fuel cell battery. I was like, whoever, mm. whoever sends you a note like that, banned. Just ban them. <laughs> block them. Block them. <laughs> block them, block, Dano. Blocked. Block them, Dano. Hey, man, we're in Shikshini, Pennsylvania today with the, uh, what is it? Shik City? Uh, 2008. Shikshini. Shik shinny. 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 Uh, yeah, Joseph O. Biden is from uh, from Scranton. Yeah, yeah, it's a pit. Scranton, is it? oh, Scranton is so broke. It's like horrible. Well, what is what has Joe Biden done? Joe O. Biden done for them then? Well, he gave them. Uh, He's a just little... turned his back on his yeah. own hometown. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's given them a little, uh, like one of those train tours around town. You get it, like a Disneyland train. That's there. <laughs> no one, no one goes to Scranton for vacation. Yeah, it's bad, but we're here. Um, it's fantastic. Here it I'm sorry. They said here it comes. Oh, yeah, we're here with um, at uh, the the log house at the lake. Producers uh, Michael and Sarah Greyer, and uh, they actually they have a log house on the lake. It is phenomenal, best view ever. I'm looking out over the lake right now uh, through the door of the Duchess. Unfortunately, it's raining, uh, but it's a beautiful view. Lake Shikshini is what I'm seeing here. And uh, it's uh, fantastic. We've had a great time. And they lived in Russia for four years, which got me a little worried. Oh, yeah. And they have a walk-in freezer. <laughs> <laughs> With meat hooks. 
Yeah, well. So if you don't hear from sure me. Make sure to give me a call tomorrow to confirm that you're not on the meat hooks. If you don't hear from me from Boston by Thursday, it's we're in the freezer. That's where you got to look. <laughs> no KGB stories today. No, sh- Ixnay on the AGBK. That's not a good idea. Hi, um, I, there's something that I found, John. Actually, there, uh, I discovered that Nigel Farage, or Farage as we call him, was actually sending us code in the previous episode, and I didn't realize it until yesterday when I was prepping the show, and I was floored. And the code he was sending is that the riots in Gitmo Nation East are partially false flag, and certainly there were some agents provocateurs at work. And he told us, and we didn't catch it immediately. Well, uh, explain. I shall. So there's a couple of things that uh, came out. You know, they they have uh, question time on the on the BBC, and I'd actually read a lot about this. Uh, people saying that the cops were just standing by and not doing anything. They were just like, you know, they were told to stand down, which, by the way, sounds a lot like some other uh, events we've had in uh, recent history. So this is the first thing I heard, and this is from BBC Question Time. This is a question from the audience. Um, I put it to you that the decision was taken deliberately to have lax policing in order to, after the events that happened, push more rules forward to stop um, protest, to stop working class having a voice, and to uh, stop. Go on, finish your point. I, I think that I, I drove around many areas of South London on this Monday nights where I live, and there weren't any police anywhere. And I cannot believe in five different, quite large areas, there were absolutely Absolutely no police. I saw crimes being committed. I cannot believe there were none. All right. It was deliberate. By the way, it's driven, not drove. But anyway, so I've been reading a lot about this. And uh, when the when the first looting and riots started, there were some reports of this looks organized, etc. And that kind of fell away in the media really quickly. Uh, but then I read this story yesterday, and there was an associated uh, uh, video, also from the BBC. And let me see if I can bring up the story. Uh, the story is. Kroll Chairman William Bratton in talks with British government to become an advisor on preventing gang-related violence and creating safer communities. So uh, let me play this uh, short little clip from uh, this uh, chairman of the Kroll Consultants, Inc. Uh, This morning I had a conversation with Prime Minister Cameron in which he thanked me for uh, my agreeing to work with the British government as they deal with the issues of gang crime, gang violence, and gang intervention. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to work with them on those issues. Well, I think part of what the government is going to do is to take a look at uh, what worked and what didn't work during the course of the last week. Uh, My uh, assignment is to focus uh, more on the issues of the American experience dealing with gangs and what we may be able to share with them that might help them to prevent similar activities uh, in the future. So then I, uh, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. This guy is going to, you know, where'd he come from all of a sudden? So I look up uh, Kroll. Uh, you can look it up at KrollWorldwide.com. I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. These are the guys that were doing the security Squirrel! for the World Trade Centers on 9-11. These are the guys that were in charge of Giuliani's bunker in uh, the World Trade Center. 
And they also uh, are well known as the spies of Wall Street. So uh, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And then I think, wait a minute. Didn't we three days ago hear the name Giuliani fall? So I go back into the show notes, into the assets, and here's Nigel Farage. What do you do with them? I mean, do we put them in prison? Do we let them straight back out again? Um, and I also think what will happen is there is going to be a debate about policing. Um, and I suspect that Giuliani's tactics in New York of zero tolerance uh, will start to become incredibly popular um, amongst people in Britain very shortly. So, whoa! Really? He knew this three days ago before anyone was talking about this guy from Crawl Associates? And then I start looking into these guys. Oh my goodness, John. This is the, the, these, these guys are the, they are the agent provocateurs. And there's a famous whistleblower known as Richard Andrew Grove. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, no, tell me. Okay, so Richard Andrew Grove, he found out that Kroll Associates, uh, back in the day, they were owned by AIG, actually. And what was the company on the on the 96th floor of the uh, of the World Trade Center? Uh, the trading firm. Ah, I got it here somewhere. Uh, well, it's in the clip actually. He worked for them, and they were putting in back doors uh, into, uh, I guess, Deutsche Bank, and they were building the software so they could manipulate trades and they could do all this nasty stuff. And what he asserted in his whistleblowing is that. Uh, the evidence had to be covered up of this huge scam, which included AIG and the uh, Marshall McLennan, I think it is, uh, on the on the 96th floor. And uh, he came out with this big story around 2002. And I have uh, he in this you know, two minute clip, he explains the entire history of Kroll Associates and their dealings and their involvement around 9/11. Sure. The uh, the short and sweet uh, summary, if you will, would be. I was working in an uh, enterprise software company, which meant that my clients were the world's leading financial institutions. And before they can do anything action-wise in the world, they have to build software projects behind the scenes to facilitate the flow of data and information. So what I did was, you know, I was involved in sales, and I was involved with clients like AIG and Marshall McLennan and Lehman Brothers and Merrill Lynch and all these companies, Deutsche Bank. These were all clients of mine. And so before they go out and do anything, they, they come out with plans for software, and then we bid on how much the software is going to cost them, and then they actually build these projects. Well, on the behind the scenes, I was involved in uh, AIG and Marsha McLennan building some projects which were eventually used to defraud their clients of hundreds of billions of dollars. Now, I didn't understand the machinations at the time. The reason I found out is because I was, getting, I was being paid very large commission checks. And when you're counting on that money every month and you're getting paid a wrong amount, that was all I needed to kind of raise my head and say, hey, what's going on? I'm not being paid correctly. And after I asked these questions, the next day, uh, the VP of sales flew in and, and fired me on the spot. And I had closed the largest deal in company history, and Marsha McLennan and AIG were our largest client. And all this stuff was going on, but I didn't really realize it at the time. That was June of 2001. In August of 2001, my ex-employer came back to me and bribed me and offered me an extension in healthcare, uh, which I needed because I had just gotten out of the hospital. And so I took the bribe and I signed this contract and the only binding thing was they don't want me to talk about what I did. And I thought, well, who cares? Nobody gets what we did there anyway, it's, it doesn't matter. Well, a couple days later, 9-11 happens and before 9-11 had happened, I thought to myself, you know, people don't give you money for nothing. 
So I contacted some friends of mine at Marsh, and in a return phone call through a voicemail, I was directed to go to the World Trade Center on the morning of 9-11 to deliver the documents and evidence that I had to the 96th floor, and that's where the explosion occurred. So I was actually sitting in traffic in a Porsche Cabriolet with the top down, and, you know, I, I witnessed the events. And it wasn't until about a month later that I caught on to some of the money laundering aspects and the, the coincidences that couldn't have been done, you know, uh, by Muslim hijackers. And when you take these insider trades on American Airlines and Marsh and McLennan and they track back to the CIA and they track back to Deutsche Bank, which was the first client we installed this special software, this this internet portal where they could do all sorts of things behind the scenes as far as information transactions that they could never do before. So in a short story, that's kind of how I yeah. came to be involved. So well, I don't so I don't want to digress into the 9-11 stuff, but the, obviously there's a lot going on with this firm. And this guy, Bratton, who was uh, uh, the, with the police in New York, but also in Los Angeles. So I go looking for someone who's willing to spill the beans on him from the LAPD. I figured... You know, New York, L.A., there's something going on between them two. And this really lays it all out as to why uh, there is, I think, a very valid theory as possibly telegraphed to us personally by uh, Nigel Farage uh, about these provocateurs uh, enraging in a Arab Spring type fashion the already disturbed youths of Gitmo Nation East. Officer, I think with LAPD, now 16,000 officers have been sent out in London do you think that this whole situation is being handled in the right way? Uh, absolutely not. And I'm extremely suspicious at this point that there is deliberate provocateurism being undertaken by uh, industrialized governments in the West, NATO, the U.S. and U.K. especially, to provoke race riots. <clears throat> and I'm really worried that, that that's what's happening. The unrest I've been predicting for, for quite some time, but this is... Uh, the the patterns and, and dispersion and the incidents and especially the way the media are playing them on both sides of the coast suggest that they really want to trigger massive civil unrest. You say they. Who who do you think is behind question. Um, sort of the spreading of civil unrest that, frankly, we've seen over the last few months happen uh, around the world? The they is anyone who is in service of the infinite growth monetary paradigm. <laughs> the infinite growth monetary paradigm.com. I love that. I love that. Infinite growth monetary paradigm. I love that. That would be the oil companies. That would be uh, the absolutely corrupt financial institutions around the world that are now witnessing a $1.4 quadrillion derivatives bubble collapse. Uh, that's the day. They well, make what interest money. would the banks and the oil companies have in, in triggering this civil unrest? It's, it's more profitable to destroy things now in this infinite growth paradigm than it is to save them or rescue them. The way the stock markets are manipulated with price-to-earnings ratios with all the derivatives makes it infinitely more profitable to kill than to save. And that's just the reality <laughs> of the world we live in. And I'm down with that. Of course, kill them. Much easier. <laughs> I mean, and, and Nigel Farage to be telegraphing, because you know, I was like, why is he for the military? Well, of course he's for the military, because he knows that the boys and girls of the military aren't going to immediately go and shoot their own kind. So he wants the military on the street to protect against the provocateurs that are being sent in by these douchebags at Crawl Worldwide. I have like eight links in the show notes at 330.nashownotes.com. And, and think about it. We've got uh, Twitter, Facebook, RIM, 
Everybody's on board with the government. We've got 16,000 extra cops coming back on the beat. It's just a more of a lockdown. And uh, it's sorry, Gitmo Nation East. They're doing it to kill you. <laughs> so. Well, that's a possibility. Yeah, but come on. For, for, for Farage to say three days before this guy is in the news to say, I think the Giuliani guys will be coming in. They'll be, and he actually, if you listen to him say it, he says it with a little, with like a little chuckle. He's, he, uh, he, I want you to listen to it again. Hold on a second. He act, you can hear him chuckling like, <laughs> they'll be very interested in the Giuliani guys. Oh, my fingers are all slippery. Here we go. Let's hear that again. What do we do with them? I mean, do we put them in prison? Do we let them straight back out again? Um, and I also think what will happen is there is going to be a debate about policing. Um, and I suspect that Giuliani's tactics in New York of zero tolerance uh, will start to become incredibly popular um, amongst people hear that? in Britain very shortly. Just, you know, a, just a little bit. Incredibly popular. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I heard that. So I think there was something there because, you know, you, I was, you, it's a possibility. There could be a coded message. Uh, I don't have a problem thinking that way with the fact that you're dealing with this. Uh, I didn't realize that Bratton, who's a famous cop. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He's very beca- famous. He became the chairman of Kroll. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Kroll is owned by a company called Altegrity, which is yep. a... Uh, it's kind of a spook company. They also and protect all of the, they do all the armored cars for they presidents. They do the USIS. They have a company called USIS, which is specialized in providing information security services to government agencies and commercial enterprises around the U.S. and elsewhere. Headquartered in Falls Church, Virginia. Hello. Uh, delivers background screening and risk management solutions that not only protect national security, but also support the, and help empower Decision makers uh, the world over. Yeah, it could have also just been a very elaborate sales job. Like, no, hey. I was thinking that too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, what can we do to get a really good consulting gig? <laughs> I know. Let's go stir up some kids, make them burn. <laughs> and you know, and crap. we're getting just a multi-million-dollar deal sold. So, uh, it's just, I can see the meeting right now. I. Hey, uh, we need uh, we needed to close this this gap in our uh, revenues. Our revs aren't quite what they're supposed to be for 2010. Uh, we got to get in for Q3. What are we gonna do? I actually lean toward that uh, that knowing these companies, especially if they're public, uh, and this must be one because it's got investor relations tab. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's publicly listed company. So absolutely. that me and so those companies have to do anything to generate more money. Yeah, and, uh, I and think we should keep an eye on them for the next two quarters and see what they're what they're. <laughs> see, uh, and we should invest now. <laughs> I'm thinking that <laughs> buy. It's a clear buy. buy signal. No, but you know it. It's just it's it's creepy to me. But on the other hand, when you think about those buildings that were burning. Those weren't buildings filled with PlayStations. That was just actual arson. You know, so so maybe these guys had like a secondary sales job for some insurance scam. Like, hey, we're coming into town. We got a sales uh, presentation to make. Well, well, I understand <laughs> that the one building was a Sony warehouse for CDs, which has got a you, burning that thing down is going to give you more income than selling the CDs. And let's face it, Sony has had a couple of problems. Their revs are way down. They could certainly use some uh, some insurance payoff because yeah, CDs that don't sell are just pieces of plastic. But if you can say, well, you know, we had uh, ten million pieces of plastic burn at a retail value of fourteen ninety five, now you're talking some payout, baby. 
And there's also the other one that was seemed to be targeted because it was mentioned a number of times over and over again. I don't know. I know one store was burned down for sure, but I don't know if there was a targeted effort because it, even though I say it was, I keep reading about it, Lady Selfridges. Lady Selfridges? Yeah, that's it. I think Lady Selfridges is some dead end that Selfridges tried to promote, and those stores were specifically burnt out. Hmm. Interestingly, I saw a couple of polls uh, in the in the British press saying, uh, why do you think bookstores like W.H. Smith were not attacked? Like, do you think it's because people respect books? <laughs> I doubt uh, it. No, it's because you know, there's no plug on the book. You can't, it doesn't, there's no joystick attached to it. So, I, you know, I, I really have a feeling that, the, that there is something going on here. Undeniably, the police state is cracking down. Undeniably. And everyone's on board with it. So, um, whether Cameron and Camerlot and all those guys were in on it or not is, uh, is, remains to be seen. But I think the idea of a sales job, uh, a sales presentation, hey, it beats PowerPoint. Here's our, I got you. Well, this is kind of like one of those Bond movies where you have to show a demonstration. Yeah. Mr. Bond, I will blow up the moon. Yes, for one billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll keep our eye on that. Um, and we have to keep our eye on Kroll uh, Worldwide. See how they do. And what was the Actually, name of the company? Altegrity. Altegrity. Right. Okay. What's the ticker symbol so we can uh, enter that into our Bloomberg's? <laughs> What is it? Good old Nigel. Good. I mean, he. he I, I truly. I'm thinking like he's like. I only, if only in Korean Dvorak can pick up on this. I'll add a little chuckle just so they they get tingled. <laughs> to be honest, it happened when I was listening to the Lone Squirrel remix of uh, episode three two nine or which I'm going to post in all the show notes now. I mean, what a great way to catch up on a show. You get two and a half hours chugged into twenty minutes is great. And I'm like, wait. Did I just hear him say Giuliani? So it was magical. Magical, magical, magical. Not so nice, obviously, but magical nonetheless. And what were you doing? What was I doing when? I don't know. Yesterday, day before. Trying to get on Skype. This thing's (laughs) turning into a turd. Yeah. Yeah, well, we knew that was going to happen. Thanks, Microsoft. Awesome. Well, Altegrity is not listed as such. I do have uh, an evergreen that I want to bring back, just for for yucks. About, uh, wait, days, not a matter of weeks? <laughs> no riots. Someone sent me this, said, you know, you should really play this again, because, uh, of course, now, if we, if we literally have these provocateurs going into Egypt, and, of course, these are Hillary Clinton, Lucifer Clinton's provocateurs, her techno-experts, we have them in uh, Syria, we uh, may or may not have had them in Tunisia, uh, but we have them basically everywhere. And now let's say that we have the uh, the commercial guys getting in on it. Um, you know, there's enough tension in the United States to have this exact same thing happen. You know, what if Kroll says, hey, hey, we've got a market here that's untapped. Well, Reverend Manning would know. Uh, you think that you and those black people ride. <laughs> you haven't seen anything. <laughs> and I'm not advocating killing and murder and stealing and robbing. That's not what I'm advocating. I'm just telling you what people are going to do. People are sick of this. People are tired of the long-legged Mac Daddy, you know, <laughs> kicking them in the face every time he gets up lying to them. Then you got a bunch of, I don't know, suck-ups like 
the MSNBC News, the ABC <laughs> News, and all these suck media up. types, and everybody who's looking to be popular and get invited to the White House, sucking up to him all the time. It's sickening. Sickening. I mean, it's downright sickening, sickening. to watch this. How come uh, Jesse J- uh, Al Sharpton has a show, but this guy doesn't? He's perfect. Well, I, we know one thing for a fact. Al Sharpton can't read from a prompter. Yeah, there's another GX2 So John Stewart actually has to get to see the clip with, with uh, him doing that you know, on TV, that, that botch. Oh, uh, John Stewart. Did. So those guys are listening to our show again? No, I'd, they never listen to our show. Uh, play that. Do you have that, that clip, Hanny, that much clip from uh, Sharpton? Oh, from uh, the last episode? Yeah. If you just give me a second. Uh, hold on a second. I can go into Anyway, it. so I'm watching this, and he just keeps a straight face throughout the whole thing as though he's, like, covered his ass. I mean, as, as if whatever this save was at the end actually worked. It oh, was Sharpton. Oh, yeah. No, he, he thought he it's like... Yeah. He thought he nailed it. Yeah, I nailed Tonight it. Tonight is the measure, measure of whether the country begins in the state of Wisconsin, a national drive to push back, or whether we have more to go to build a movement of resistance. But resist, we much. <laughs> we must and we will much about that be committed. Joining me now. Nailed it. Now, on to the next item. He didn't even, he didn't <laughs> wink, he didn't smile, he didn't back up. He thought he nailed it. Yeah. What a douche. What an idiot. Hold on a second. Uh, Douchebag. Give, give him one there. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So the news is out that... Uh, Comcast will have him fired, by the way. I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, of it, course. By of the course. prediction. No prediction. Put it in the book. Put it in the book. Sharpton uh, within 90, well, uh, yeah, he, could, like, he, ha- he has a six-month contract, I'm sure. Uh, so the, the Iowa straw poll uh, came out, and very interesting for those of you who uh, want to know how the media works. So as I understand it, Michelle Bachman had 192 votes more than uh, Ron Paul. Yet even on C-SPAN, on the C-SPAN homepage, it says, Bachman wins Iowa straw poll, Rick Perry enters race. Like, you have uh, the closest finish ever in the Iowa straw poll, which is remarkable. And all they can say is, oh, Rick Perry entered the race. And Ron Paul, at a certain point, he was, uh, he, he did his, um, his kind of his uh, straw poll speech. And, uh, and, and C-SPAN lost the connection. Oh, we're sorry. <laughs> we're having technical difficulties. They didn't have any technical difficulties with anybody else. <laughs> I was like, the word is out. They cannot let this guy get any further. Although it was he's ve- dangerous. This guy's too dangerous. Yeah, and very- all the stooges I'm looking at on Twitter, oh, yeah. there's a bunch of these people that blasting Ron Paul out of the blue. Now, I want you to listen to the, to the opening of his Iowa straw po- poll speech. And you can hear. Well, I, I'll tell, I won't tell you what it is. Listen. Next speaker is Representative Ron Paul, the congressman from Texas, and he's seeking the Republican nomination for the presidency. Representative Paul. Thank you very much. <laughs> Did you hear it? I clearly heard it in the morning. No, play it again. Yeah. No, hold on a second. Let me uh, rewind it for you. Yeah, there wasn't a... In the morning! I can't believe you didn't hear that. Oh, I got to go back further. Sorry. The congressman from Texas, and he's seeking the Republican nomination for the presidency. Representative Paul. Thank you very much. In the morning! <laughs> In the morning! 
Yeah, I'm not so sure. All of the, in the, when they had the debate, by the way, all of the uh, Ron Paul people were put in the absolute last row. Oh, they were thrown in the back. Yeah. But they sure made a racket. I have a, I have a number of Ron Paul clips I'd like to get to later. No, you want to do it now or you want to rock it later? We can do it well, now. Well, we can do it I don't now. have my list of clips in front of me. I do. Okay, well, play the one that the one that's, that initializes the whole scene where he gets. He's actually in, he essentially gets into various debates with these stooges. Uh, you know, yeah. poli- the yeah. Santorum is the worst. Of course, he got nobody voted. Is that for where is that, is that where he pwned Santorum about his history? Yeah, 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 I think this might be the clip, yeah, actually. By Joe Biden, nonetheless, and Barack Obama once. We got it passed. And I can tell you, if Rick Santorum and when Rick Santorum is president, Iran will not get a nuclear weapon because the world as we know it will be no more. By the way, what's up with this new bell? If that's, that's like, could it be any more game show? You know, the, the funny thing is about the, they, they did, Santorum complains about it. And I have to admit, watching what I, I watched the whole thing. I have to admit, they gave Ron Paul a little more leeway uh-huh. because he was so much more entertaining. Entertaining, yeah, absolutely. And you could tell the people on the panel that were they were just smiling and yucking it up when Paul got on, and they let him go a lot longer. Yeah. And Santorum, they'd cut him off, they'd ring the bell and tell him to <laughs> shut up. It was hilarious. But that bell is outrageous. Ding, ding, hello, hello. Do you have your final Jeopardy answer? Cong- Congressman Paul, 30 seconds. You've heard the war propaganda that is liable to lead us into the sixth war, and I worry about that position. Iran is a threat because they have some militants there. But believe me, they're all around the world. And they, Excuse me. They're, they're all around <laughs> the world, and they're not a whole lot different than others. Iran does not have an air force that can come here. They don't have... They can't even make enough gasoline for themselves. And here we are, you know, building this case up. Please, please. Uh, they're building up this case like just like we did in Iraq. Build up the war propaganda. There was no al-Qaeda in Iraq, and they had nuclear <laughs> weapons, and we had to go in. I'm sure you saw supported that war as well. Yeah. It's okay. time we quit this. It's time. It's trillions of dollars we're spending Woo! on this war. <laughs> that wasn't actually the part. The part I, I, I pulled is this one, one or two I clips. didn't hear him. This is, was this the lead-in versus Santorum mind your own business clip? No, but you didn't ask me for that one. No, I said the lead-in clip. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'll play it for it's you. In the Chinese. I, which one? Wait, wait, wait. This, stop. Is the, this, is, this is now the lead-in clip. Okay, what was the one you played so I don't... The, uh, that was uh, Ron Paul versus Santorum. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So lead in now? Yeah. Weapons. We tolerated the Soviets. We didn't attack them. And they were a much greater danger. They were the greatest danger to us. In, the, in you just played the history. same clip. No. No, 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 no. I'm not playing the same clip. You're playing lead in versus Santorum. Mind your own business? Yeah, that's what I'm playing right now. 1.8 megabyte clip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the one you just played then? I could have sworn it was the same one. It was Ron Paul versus Sam here. Okay, let me A-B it for you then. Here's the one I just played. By Joe Biden, nonetheless, and Barack Obama once. Okay. See, that's the one I just played. All right, play the other one. But you don't go to war against them. I mean, this whole idea of sanctions, all these pretend free traders, they're the ones who put on these trade sanctions. This is why we still don't have trade relationships with Cuba. It's about time we talk to Cuba and stop fighting these wars that are about 30 or 40 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Payne. Just, Senator Santorum, I got a question for you. Well, as the author of the Iran Freedom Support Act, okay, which he's criticizing. Yeah, I had this one too. I authored it when I was in the United States sanction. The Senate would actually impose sanctions on Iran because of their nuclear program. 
Iran is not Iceland, Ron. Iran is a country that has been at war <laughs> with us. Iceland. Thanks, thanks, Rick. Just so we know, why does he even say Iceland? Where does that come from? I don't know. It's not Iceland, Ron. Ron. Since 1979. Mr. Paul, to you. Iran is a country that has killed more American men and women in uniform in, in Iraq and Afghanistan than the Iraqis and the Afghanistans have. Afghanistanis have. The, Ira- <laughs> the Afghanistanis. The, Afghani- the, the, the Afghans. How about that? The Iranians. Why are the Iranians. The Iranians are, are the existential threat to the state of Israel. You, uh. ask the, you ask the Israelis what keeps them up at night. It's the Iranians funding a Hamas and <laughs> Stinging, shut up. What keeps them up at night? Uh, that they can't pay for food. That they uh, are sitting out uh, with a guillotine in the square because they're so angry at their government. That's what keeps them up at night, douche. Okay. Allah 30, and the support of Syria. Seconds. And the reason, hold on, let me finish. No, the no, re- there are rules. Here, yeah, I know there are rules, and you guys have been giving these guys a lot of time, and not a whole lot of time you, to you be, so let me answer the you question. Have a question coming. Okay. The, the, senator, the senator is wrong on his history. We've been at war in, in, in uh, Iran for a lot longer than 79. We started it in 1990. 1953, when we sent in a coup, installed the Shah, and the reaction, the uh, blowback came in 1979. It's been going on and on because we just plain don't mind our own business. That's our problem. <laughs> I think that qualifies as a virtual shoe throw. That was awesome. Yeah. That was very, very good. Well, like the other that. one, which is a very short one, I have two more, but I just, the Bachman one isn't that interesting. But he, the, the Ron Paul bring the troops home, which is a short little clip. I just think it got another huge round. I mean, these people, you're right, were way in the back, but they were the noisiest of the, of the group. What's so terribly bad about this? In people where countries that you put sanctions on, you are more likely to fight them. I say a policy of peace is free trade. Stay out of the internal business. Don't get involved in these wars and just bring our troops home. <laughs> I can just see that, you know, that's, that bell is not timed. There's someone good doing that bell. Ding, ding. Yeah, ding, ding. They've never, I've, this is a new bell. I've never heard this one before. Actually, uh, it's pretty, I'm sorry they don't have a buzzer. We got, <laughs> wrong. I, ha- I have some Iran stuff, but maybe we should thank a couple producers before we uh, head into that. Good thinking. Uh, we got uh, one, two, three, four ex- executive producers and a number of associates today. Nice. And uh, starting with uh, Chad Marbu in Springfield, Missouri, uh, who wants us to mention the book titled book.com. All right. 33333. These are all 33333s. Uh, anonymous in Ohio. Uh, I'm making this uh, 333 Club donation on behalf of my Amiga Victoria Arnoldi in Martinez, Buenos Aires. Milf. That's one. She turned me on to the show. She turned him on. She turned him on to the show in Buenos Aires. <laughs> Who knows? In episode 302, and it took me a few episodes to get into it, which is a problem. Yeah. But now I'm hooked ever since. I've listened to the show way back in episode 245 on iTunes. Look forward to the new shows every week. A few things I... Uh, can I get some karma for Victoria, por favor? Yes. No problem. You've got karma. 
And her birthday, I, this is going to be hard to keep track of. He's going to have to email us, of, well, although we should be able to. Maybe uh, Buzzkill Jr. can make a note. Yeah, we'll take it. Victoria's care. birthday is the day after 333 episodes, so make sure she added the birthday shout-out. Um, he was re- redirecting officialgovernmentwebsite.com to no agenda. <laughs> can you imagine someone Googling, I need an official government website. Oh, what is this? That's groovy. Michael Henry in Madison, New Jersey, 33333, uh, help for fuel and John's ticket to D.C. Thanks for a great show. My friends are bewildered from hoping Obama would be truthful to having a Ron Paul 212 sticker on my car <laughs> in the morning to you and you and need karma for good health and sex for all of us Stone Mountain, Georgia folk. Hell yeah. Oh, karma. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. My, totally my mistake. My bad. You've got karma. You I was already my, enjoying. I was already enjoying the good health and sex. You with said my bad. Yeah, my bad. It's a gay thing. Uh, Sebastian Nilsson, just want to get that straight. Sebastian, and by the way, that, uh, Michael, uh, you got the Madison, New Jersey. How come PayPal won't let people change their address to where they actually live? So, Sebastian Nilsson in Stockholm. Uh, my lucky number. Oh is crap! Up. Hold on a second, John. Ah oh, shit. I left my Uggs outside the rig. They're, they're drenched. Hold on. Your Uggs? Yeah. Oh, that's why ah. he does wear Uggs. No. No. He's, well, as he goes on, I'll read this. My lucky number has always been 33, and your segment has reminded me that I have seen it yeah, a bit too much during weird circumstances. <sighs> Sorry about my that. My lovely Anna is looking for work in Sweden. She can uh, move uh, here from... She can move here from Germany, so we need some karma for that, please. You've got karma. She is, of course, gorgeous, as I know uh, you know many people from the region are. You know, th- this is actually very interesting because uh, seeing as producer Michael and Sarah lived in, uh, um, in Russia, in Moscow, I said, uh, you know, John and I are starting up a consulting business and do you know any hot blonde chicks from Russia? He said, oh, yeah, it's full of them. But you got to get them before they turn 30. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's when it's all downhill from then. And he says he's still up to doing a Russia Today spoof. She's not blonde, but taken from a Swede. Not a lot of natural ones are left in the world at all. No, we can bleach. Bleaching is, well, wigs work. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we move to our... Uh, Associate Executive Producer Kyle Miller in Bon, bon Accord. Bon Accord. Alberta. Why would they bet $250? Why would the, the Canadians in Alberta have a French-sounding city? I don't know. Stephen Pelsmachers, Baron von Pelsmachers to you in Belgium. Uh, still catching up to the old show story of my life. Uh, this is to get Mickey out of jail free uh, on the illegal right turn. $243. Oh, that's so He's paying that's so the sweet. ticket. That's so sweet. Thank you. Mickey feels, <laughs> still feels bad about that one. Yeah, there's, it was, there's signage I pay attention to. it. And finally, we got to, in the, uh, through the post office box, uh, Radio Ray, uh, who also will be now an associate executive producer, sent us $200. Uh, he, he needs some karma to help with his unexpected medical issues. You've got karma. And then uh, from our Hot Pockets meetup in uh, Ohio, the great state of Ohio, we have uh, 
Uh, Triple Knight now going for his uh, fourth in level, that is. Mike Zelina cut us a $1,000 check and gave us $280 cash uh, to fill up the Duchess. Now, with that, with that amount, I mean, he's now, shouldn't we give him like a Viscount of Ohio or something? I have to see where or Viscount. Vi- I have to see, see where, where that fit. We have to. We probably should just give him the barony of Ohio. I think he can own the whole state. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not? Baron Mike I mean, Felsmachers can own Belgium. I don't yeah. see why this guy can't own it. And I don't see anybody else ponying up from Ohio in that to that. Not degree. in that. Not in that level. No. Uh, and it was it was great to meet him. He had his night ring on, but he was really low key. Did he punch you in the mouth? No. We we did touch rings. This is the thing. You're like, oh, you're, brother. You're, you're, you're fist bump rings. <laughs> fist bump rings. It's awesome. It's I like awesome. it. Yeah. And we'll uh, be thanking more of our Hard Pockets producers uh, from um, uh, the great state of Ohio in a moment. Uh, two PR mentions quickly before we get to hitting them in the mouth with a formula. Uh, we have a forward from Sir Craig Jones, Mulocracy.com, now redirects to no, noagendashow.com. Apparently, Rick Santorum on uh, on the debate. I didn't see this. Called Iran a malocracy. Yeah, you know. Hold on a sec. That's funny because I heard that, and I think one of my clips has it. Okay. Uh, he says malocracy, and when he said it, I didn't get what he was talking about. Now I realize it's mullocracy. Is it which and he calls uh, it mullocracy? As though somebody's mulling the news or something. Ooh, well, I don't know what I'm doing today. I'm going to read the paper. <laughs> but it's M U L L A H. Mula, mullocracy. I don't see that clip. Do you have it here? I think it was the first one. I think when he when the Ferran Paul versus Santorum clip, I think he throws it in. No, oh, well, anyway. But it's a nice domain it name. The, for it. it was in the long one. I don't know. I th- I remember him saying it though. It's nice that we have these because I actually got an email, an inquiry from Reeve Hamilton from the uh, what was he from from the Texas Tribune. Hello, Adam. I'm a reporter with the Texas Tribune. I was looking up possible Rick Perry-related domain names and noticed that Perry2012.com took me to the No Agenda site. (laughs) Could we talk about that? Please give me a call. (laughs) And, of course, I'm not going to call this guy because, you know, that's just going to turn into douchebaggeries. I did write back. No, call him. No, I said, Reeve, our listeners have registered over 500 domain names that point to our show website, noagendashow.com. Usually this is due to a conversation or topic on the show, we are no fans of Perry, so this is a nice blocking move. Even better is adiosmofos.com. <laughs> well, he won't get back to us. He didn't care. And That's cute. Yeah. And he's, you, know, the, you know the douchebags will never... You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not falling for that anymore. I'm not falling for stupid journalists with their douchebag stories. I'm not going to do it. So we do highly appreciate uh, all of the contributions, uh, certainly from uh, Baron Mike Zelinas from Ohio, uh, now in charge of the entire state. So uh, if you have a problem, you know where to go. And our uh, executive producers and three, three, three club members, uh, Chad Mar- Marbu or Marbit, uh, oh, anonymous from Ohio, uh, Michael Henry from Madison, New Jersey, or other parts, uh, Sebastian Nielsen from Stockholm. Brahma in Stockholm, and of course our uh, associate executive producers Kyle Miller and Baron Stephen von Pelsmachers. We highly appreciate your support. And Radio of the show. Ray and Radio Ray. Yes, I'm sorry, Radio Ray. Um, without you, the show could not be on the air. Um, it is the only way we can uh, generate income, and this is all we do, aside from 
some column or something that John You're driving has. around. Yeah, I'm driving around with rain. And my I need new Uggs now. They're completely ruined. They're so Why did you leave them outside? Because I parked in a puddle and it's been raining and I don't want to get the R if I if I track in oh, mud into the RV. The Uggs ruined by stepping in the puddle. Yeah, if, if no. If I track mud into the RV, there will be hell to pay. And we're still doing fine, Ms. Mickey and I, so I gotta be very careful. These are real credits, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And unlike the douchebags in Hollywood, if you need someone to vouch for him, uh, all you need to do is contact us. We'll be more than happy to do that. And everyone else out there, you can always do this. Propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Shut up, slave. It's Dvorak.org slash NA, Dvorak, uh, channel Dvorak.com slash NA, and noagendashow.com and noagendanation.com. Dvorak.org slash NA. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Whenever we forget that, donations go into the tank. It's true. Yeah. Because people don't really listen any further than this by here. <laughs> That's it. When the it's show like, starts getting good, they're yeah, dry. Like, oh, man, I got to turn off now. So, so we're still uh, on the road, John, with our hot 2008 tour. And uh, we had a very nice meetup after the show in uh, Akron, Ohio, at the Spaghetti Warehouse. We had a private room. And, of course, much thanks to uh, our producer there, Matt Frank, who organized everything. It was fantastic. Uh, we had a good group. It was it was amazing uh, to see. Here's here's the group: sysadmin, 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 nuclear physicist, sysadmin, 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 PR marketing, sysadmin, sysadmin. When does the public get a clue and listen to our show? It's yeah. funny. Uh, yeah, we yeah you know, we do. I am just starting to talk to people about that. So the minute you hear someone say anything. That sounds even slightly no agenda like. Those are the people you got to go in and get. Don't try to convince people who are you know uh, Obama bots. Uh, no, it's impossible. You got to yeah, get. No, you got to get. Yeah, you got to get the quiet. Now, those guys are crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they think. They, no, go on. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna do the voice longer. <laughs> nice. They're crazy. What is this? I don't get it. Yeah. The, What's this in the morning? What's the point? Yeah. The PR girl, uh, whose name was Cricket, was extremely Cricket? cute. Yeah, that's her her birth wow, given name. What a great PR girl name. Great name, right? Hey, everybody, I'm Cricket from No Agenda PR. I'd like to talk to you about the show. <laughs> and she smelled nice too. She was wearing uh-huh. JLo. <laughs> yeah, Mickey, Mickey apparently what was she inquired. For a scent? I'm sorry. No, never yeah, mind. I, I I didn't hear it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Tanked. My my bad. Ha! So my there you said it again. Yeah. And I keep saying it. Why? Because it's a cool hip thing to say, Joe. Oh, it's not so cliched and old. Well, what should I say? I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. You I shouldn't say anything. You should just go on. Move. Okay. Move right. on. Move on. Hey, I got a question for you. A little, just a little side note. Yeah. This is the question for you. It's a, it's a clip. I want you to answer the question. Do we have you know floating around? You know, we have a bunch of these drones in the air. Yeah. Do we have 70 or 700? Hmm. Let me think about this while we play the clip. Capacities that will be needed more 
in the 21st century versus the 20th century. So, you know, another reason why we can't sort of just go back to the 2001 budget is, well, back in 2001, you didn't have a cyber command. Back in 2001, you didn't have um, over 7,000 unmanned aerial systems in the force. Back in 2001, you also didn't have 44 other nations also building unmanned systems. Wait a minute. It's 7,000? <laughs> we got 7,000 What floating around America? So, so the 7,000 drones, this is one of the things, you know, during who, this... Who era, was this? For, who was this? This was, at the, this was one of those little things that they show during the off-season when the Congress is out, and they, and they put the cameras in places like the Brookings Institute, Oh yeah, and they yeah. fill it up with a bunch of spooks talking to more <laughs> spooks and a couple of journalists. It's always good. It's always gold. Yeah, because there's stuff in there you know that you didn't know. So this is the guy who's some one of the Brookings Institute's guys, and they're, they're, this whole speech was about why we should not be cutting any military budgets. In fact, we should be increasing them. We need more drones. <laughs> and he drops this bomb about seven thousand drones. I go, oh, I didn't. I've never known. Where did this come from? You know, because these guys are so casual amongst themselves, right? That they occasionally let these little bombs go, and it's always quite interesting. But here's the guy. That was the ex, I can't remember his name, but he was the ex-NSA guy for, for Bush. Uh, this is the book, Brookings Panel Europe Threat uh, clip. And what he says here, this guy, he's, he's really a promoter of, of taking over the world. Basically, he's like a Roman emperor, this character. And he's, he makes an idle threat about Europe. He says, look, these guys uh, are, are screwing up. They can't even deal with this Libya thing. We gave them to them on a silver platter. They can't do anything with it. They, they don't, they don't, they're not up in the ante on <laughs> the military. And they don't and they're shower. Going along, they're not going along, and they're going along with a free ride from us. That's ending. We're going to, you know, you're going to get a bill in the mail. Can't look at this as just going back to 2000, 2001 levels. Steve? Steve? I agree with that. Um, Australia's been a terrific ally. You know, when we really need someone to be with us, Australia is a country that has been there. I think some of our European allies, Europe has really got to decide, are they going to have a real military force or not? Because they have, you know, so cut their budgets, uh, the forces are shrunk. They don't work together in an integrated way, and you're seeing that in Libya. And I think (laughs) Europeans are going to have to make some tough choices about where they go on their defense establishments, even while they deal with some very severe economic processes. They have a tendency to have been, I have to say, a free rider. And those (laughs) days are are over. That's right. And they don't shower enough. Damn it. Those days are over. Stinky Europeans, not with the program, not pulling your weight. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was interesting. It was a, the briefing wasn't the most, you know, I mean, I watch these things and it's like I'm always looking for some little gems in there. But the, this one was a little much of a snooze except for the 7,000 drones. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I ha- maybe for a little bit later in the show, I've been trying to get... Uh, some information about this investment bank, which uh, is now coolly named the iBank. It was the iBank. Yeah. <laughs> iBank. Yeah, that's the same guy. Before the, Apple gets yeah. it. From the people who brought you winning the future, we bring you the iBank. Yeah, they're going to get sued. Apple will sue the government for that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, Apple, don't forget, has more, more money, money in the bank <laughs> yeah, more than money. the government. Yeah, more money. And uh, C-SPAN, there was a... There was a a budget hearing on C-SPAN 3, which, and I don't want to get into it right now because I'm just, 
got to ramped up. Got to get ramped up to talk about it. Um, and it had you know the guy from Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, all the douchebag bankers are in on the panel. And I'm getting tweets about this, like, oh, you got to watch C-SPAN three, which of course I can't watch while we're on the road. And uh, uh, and it's not up on the on their video library. They have not put it up yet. And this was th- almost four days ago now. So either they're never going to put it up or the interns are running the shop during this uh, downtime and they're just confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're playing, playing games and not putting it up. So unfortunately, uh, maybe I'll have it by Thursday, but if anyone has it, if anyone by chance recorded five hours of C-SPAN, just uh, spin that off onto an MP4 and uh, Dropbox it for me, will you? I'd appreciate that. President probably, had it. President no on that. Yeah. President had his uh, weekly address. Actually, this is from the West Wing Week, his reality show, which I'm a big fan of. What kind of cars does Korea make? Korea? Yeah. You mean what brands? Yeah, what, do they, they make cars, don't they? Yeah, they're the Kia, the Hyundai. Among the, I think there's another brand that shows up. And would you say those are pretty good cars? Actually, the, the, the Hyundai, which I think now owns Kia, uh, is, is considered by many, in fact, according to most of the testing that's going on, one of the best cars you can buy right now for the price especially, and they have great warranties. I, I'm, it's a lot of people are looking seriously at the Hyundais. Daewoo? Daewoo's the other one, yeah. yeah. That's the one. So the president is out on the road, and he's talking about you know how great we are, and we're going to get our manufacturing back together, and... Uh, he had a little message for what he wants uh, with American cars. I've said it before, I will say it again. You cannot bet against the American worker. I want folks in Korea driving Fords and Chevys and Chrysler. <laughs> he wants folks in Korea driving Fords and Chevys and Chryslers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's not, not likely. I could just see a Korean going, what is this plastic piece of crap? No, well, actually, this is also the size. I mean, they don't, they, although the Koreans make pretty big cars, yeah. surprisingly. They can't park a Chevy. But, it, yeah, or some of our cars, but it, it's just, no, it's not going to work. No, it's totally stupid. I mean, I can see the Chinese going for American cars because they're into this prestige thing. So, um, on, on the same West... How about we- getting Americans to buy Ford, Chevys, and whatever? Yeah, there's an idea for you. Let's do... You know what? Why don't we do something where you can trade in your old piece of crap, and we'll give you like $5,000 for it. There's an idea. Oh, wait. We those did days, that. Those days are over. So, in the same West Wing Week, West Wing week he's out in uh, Milwaukee, and he's, uh, he's talking about the infrastructure. This is a plan that will be fully paid for. Paid for! I love it, by the way, when he's out talking to a crowd. He's so much better. Paid for! <laughs> I gotta tell you, It will not add to the deficit over time. It will not. We're gonna work with Congress to see to that. We will. We want to set up an infrastructure bank to leverage federal dollars and, and focus on the smartest investments. Oh, an infrastructure bank! Which is a great idea! We're going to continue. Oh, that's the iBank. Yeah, listen to it, though. This is, he's pushing this real hard. Our strategy to build a national high-speed rail network that uh. reduces congestion and travel times and reduces harmful emissions. And you won't have to take your shoes off. So did you, not to interrupt, but apparently all the little towns on the San Francisco Peninsula have sued the state of California to keep high-speed rail off out. the peninsula. Yeah, out. Of course they don't want that. 
And of course they don't. And so meanwhile, so now you have a train that's going to be leaving San Francisco to head to L.A. and it's not going to go down the, on the peninsula. How is it going to get there? Anti-gravitational machine. It has to somehow what's going to happen is going to be a bus. It's going to pick you up in San Francisco, <laughs> drive you to Oakland. You'll get off the bus, get on the high speed rail in Oakland. Straight to the shoot down. straight to the FEMA camp. Unbelievable. We got we want to cut waste and bureaucracy and consolidate and collapse more than 100 different programs that too often duplicate each other. So we want to change the way Washington spends your tax dollars. We want to reform a haphazard patchwork way of doing business. We want to focus on less wasteful approaches than we've got right now. We want competition and innovation that gives us the best bang for the buck. Bang for the buck. But the bottom line is this, Milwaukee, this will not only create jobs immediately. This will bring us better Kardashian episodes. It's also going to make our economy hum over the long haul. It's a plan that history tells us can and should attract bipartisan support. It's a plan that says even in the aftermath of the worst recession in our lifetimes, America can still shape our own destiny. So the concept of an infrastructure bank is not new. I believe, was it FDR who did this initially, John? I have no idea that he did that. Well, that's what's being touted. Now, I, I was Googling around because this infrastructure bank keeps popping up. And uh, it's, you know, I read 30 billion, 50 billion private public partnership, which is always ends in disaster. So the way I understand the idea is you get private companies to invest and then the government will make uh, money available <clears throat> at 2% loans with an uh, independent committee who will then determine what projects are viable and how about, how about, I got one for you. The potholes on Highway US, U.S. Highway 80, inf, inter, Interstate Highway 80. Well, you will, you will get that. The only problem is it'll then turn into a toll road because that's, that, that's how it's set up. Is you get the 2% loans, you go and invest, you know, the other 50% you invest yourself as a construction company, and then you get to charge toll on it. So it's, of course, it's a oh, tax you mean on like the American Rick Perry people. would have, would be doing. It's totally what Rick Perry would do. So President Obama asked the truck builders, you, got, you should see this video because it's funny. These are guys with like pink ties on. <laughs> They're sitting there with, in the White House with a pink tie. Hey, nice fashion sense. And the president's like, you got to invest in this. It's almost like he called the bankers to the White House, only now he had the cameras rolling for his reality show. I'm very concerned about making sure that uh, we're serious about infrastructure uh, and we're serious about uh, building America. I think by having one standard, having something we're shooting for, because we're all going to start making investments to, to get there. And it's, it's, a, it's a stretch, but it's a doable one. You mentioned the infrastructure. Couldn't do it better throughout our history. Infrastructure workers produce jobs, and so I think we'd all agree. Using the roads, it's an investment, not a spend. Oh, I guarantee, uh, sorry? Nothing. Oh, I guarantee you these guys are just sitting there. They're like, hey, free money. Free money, cheap money. It's coming our way. We can't wait for more infrastructure. You know, I have a proposal right now for an infrastructure bank. Uh, that's something that uh, could use private resources to help build roads and bridges and airports. And that would give an opportunity a lot of people to go back to work. Yeah. So this is the plan. 
You have this infrastructure bank. You get everybody back to work on stuff we don't really need, like high-speed rail. By the way, I, you know, except for uh, California's part, part of Route 80, everything else seems to be groovy. The, the, these roads don't need any rebuilding than I've been on. They're great. Yeah, but you're in the parts of the country where there's less people, and they get money from the we get, get, California's a net loser. We get taxed to death, and then they send a bunch of money to the feds because you're supposed to do that. They're part of the deal, and they and then they stay redistributed back for different projects. But we get like in California, we get like sixty percent of it back, and the rest of it goes to Alabama. I mean, so, so we get totally scammed. It's ridiculous. And so I have a road here that's covered with potholes, and it's an <laughs> interstate highway. John C. Dvorak's Day. Part of Eisenhower's interstate route roadway system. So you need a sales guy for this. And at first you think, you think this guy is right on the money and he's awesome, but then the payoff comes and it turns out that Dylan Radigan, who works for, uh, I guess he's MSNBC, right? Yeah, he's the new morning guy. Yeah. He, he's, he is brought out to sell this, and he does it in a very interesting way. He goes on, uh, I don't know if this, this is not the Dylan Radigan, this, he's on a panel on some MSNB, it's not Morning Joe, but something else, and he starts freaking out, and then he brings it, very good, by the way, then he brings it home to help the president sell this scam. I'm not here to talk about plans to deal with this till 2017. I'm saying we've got a real problem, and I'm tired of Republicans and Democrats who either want Republicans who want to burn the place to the ground, and Democrats, with all due respect, who want to offer a plan that gets it through the ne- their end of their second term of their presidency, and then screws me and my kids okay. when it's over. And until we okay. do that, we have to deal with the extraction that is at foot. It is the reason the financial markets are behaving the way they're behaving. Foot. That is a mathematical fact. I- This is not some opinion. This is a mathematical fact. Tens of trillions of dollars are being extracted from the United States of America. Democrats aren't doing it. Republicans are not doing it. An entire integrated system, financial system, trading system, taxing system that was created by both parties over a period of two decades is at work on our entire country right now. And we're sitting here arguing about whether we should do the $4 trillion plan that kicks the can down the road for the president for 2017 or burn the place to the ground, both of which are reckless, irresponsible, and stupid. And the fact of the matter is, until we actually, and I don't, and I'm sorry to lose my no, temper, and no, get, no, but no. I tell you what, I've been coming on TV for three years doing this. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is that there's a refusal on both the Democratic and the Republican side of the aisle to acknowledge the mathematical problem, which is that the United States of America is being extracted. It's being extracted through banking, it's being extracted through trade, and it's being extracted through taxation. And there's not a single politician that has stepped forward, Susan, to deal with this. So that's pretty good, right? This is, you know, the meeting was like this, like, um, listen, man, we got the call from the White House. We need some shit to go viral, dude. You got to, like, freak out a little bit. And this was actually on his show as far, I guess it was on Morning Joe, but this was... uh well, we see that on a show or Morning Joe. What difference does it make? No, it doesn't make sense. I think ran last Tuesday or something. Yeah, I hadn't seen it. So uh, uh, Yeah, I saw it. I was I thought better of running it because it just seemed like a self-serving rant that Dylan Radigan did on purpose to get a bunch of viral action. Well, that's exact, uh, this is exactly what I'm saying. Then he goes in. It worked. Yeah, then he goes in to blame Congress. Uh, hey, by the way, he, he says something in there I thought, thought was a little annoying. What's that? He, first he blasts the Republicans, and then he blasts the Democrats. But when he blasts the Democrats, he says, with all due respect. Yeah. Hey, hey what about hey, the other guys? Yeah, they don't get no respect. 
Uh, so now he's going to tell you that your Congress is bought, which, by the way, is kind of the message that the president is sending all the time, except he calls it, uh, you know, uh, our uh, our country isn't broken, our, our politics are broken. But uh, again, in the meeting, a Radigan, man, you got to like freak out about Congress. I would like him to go to the people of the United States of America and say, people of the United States of America, your Congress is bought. Your Congress is incapable of making legislation on health care, banking, trade or taxes, because if they do it, they will lose their political funding and they won't do it. But I'm the president of the United States and I will have a country that is run by a bought Congress. So I'm not going to work with a bought Congress and try to be Mr. Big Guy. I'm working with the bot Congress. I'm going to abandon the bot Congress like Teddy Roosevelt did. Ah, and I'm going to oh, go to the please. Pe- okay, uh-huh. stop it. I All can't right. take any more of this yeah, bull but, crap. But you have to listen to the to the to the payoff. This here comes the payoff and here's where he sells the message, which is completely idiotic. How bad does it have to get? How much money has to be extracted? I don't know. How many things have to be heard? The brass tax. Okay, physically, what do you do? You go and give a speech. Right now. To, yeah, right now. Right now. You say, you say, and then what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow, what happens is you begin the process of actually investing in solving the problem. So how? I come out and I say, how? I create an infrastructure bank with 2% blending immediately. Uh. There's, once I explain to people the problem, once I explain to you, you have cancer, The re, once you understand how screwed up your trade tax and banking policies are believe me you will have no issue when i incorporate an infrastructure bank that i fund with repatriated offshore money that i bring in and then use to create two percent direct lending to every business in america because when you realize that the banking system is fully corrupt and defrauding us okay he'll he'll be this guy the hook he'll be sleeping in uh, the lincoln bedroom well he did definitely put a big plug in for the i bank yep it at two percent. He put all the he had their talking points down, so he obviously had a little notepad in front of him. Yep. And it, it was it was pathetic pandering. Now the other thing is what he did mention in there, which is kind of interesting, was repatriated offshore yeah. dollars. Yeah, like we're gonna, kind of, yeah, like which is the money, by the way, that Microsoft used to buy Skype. <laughs> hey, we're gonna take this Skype thing. We're gonna turn it into a railroad. So they so Microsoft had a bunch of profits overseas that they had buried in their various divisions that they didn't want to bring to the USA because they'd have to pay taxes on it at a ridiculous rate, and so they bought Skype with it instead, and they didn't have to deal with the tax issues. But you can't repatriate it, that that money unless you give some sort of a tax break. So what 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 I guess which hasn't been mentioned, which Obama hasn't I haven't heard this, is to to, to fund the I Bank. He's going to offer these all these corporations a deal. Of course. Hey, you guys, if you bring your money, we'll put it in the bank. You want to pay taxes on it, so he's going to give a tax break to the yeah. to the corporations while his while his minions. See, I don't believe that he really wants to do that because his minions are out there. Then there's been a number of reports that they're going after mostly Romney. Right. To, you know, there was a lot of reports that they somebody picked up a memo on how they had to go after Romney. And in Iowa, and I have a Hecklers versus Romney clip, there's an evidence of the way they're going to do it. They're just going to bring a bunch of goons in, and when Romney shows up anywhere, they're going to start yelling at him. And if we are ultimately, not just this year, but over the coming decades, going to be able to balance our budget and not spend more than we take in, we have to make sure that the promises we make in Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare are promises we can keep. And there are various ways of doing that. One is we can raise taxes on people. That's not the way. That's right. Corporation. Corporation. We can raise taxes on people. Of course they are. Everything corporations earn ultimately goes to people. Where do you think it goes? Oh, 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 o
Ass corporations. <laughs> yeah, I caught that too. And so, uh, so Obama's got his boys out yelling at Bromley wherever he shows up. He's toast. And I don't know what they're going to do because here's the kicker that of the, all this political stuff that's going on with Rick Perry coming on board. And I, as soon as I heard this, Donna Brazil was on one of the CNN shows, and she makes this comment on Rick Perry. And I said, wait a minute. And, and she kind of lays it out here. You, this is something I didn't actually, for some reason, until I looked who, who him up was, on Wikipedia. I'm sorry, who was Donna, Donna Brazil? Donna Brazil used to be one of Clinton's henchmen. She was uh, worked in various departments of his government, and she's a black, black, tough black woman who uh, does a lot of campaign work for people. America, and it darn sure doesn't work in Texas. Size him up. Well, first of all, I knew him when he was a Democrat. That was back in the 1980s when he ran as an agriculture commissioner. Uh, He is someone who is quite personable. He can relate to a lot of people. He's from West Texas, Uh, comes from a a, a kind Does he worry you more than any of those other Republicans you saw up there on the stage last night? You know, I'm not worried, John. I'm just trying to let Democrats know that this is one Texan that they better take seriously, just like they took, (laughs) uh, you know, George W. Bush seriously. Look, he knows how to run. he will run to his right. He will run, as you saw with that uh, that clip, to, to, to try to out Tea Party, even the most extreme Tea Party member. So he will be a crowd pleaser initially. But once you get to see his record as Texas governor, I think people will run away from him. In a sentence, how would you run against Rick Perry? Oh, I would just t- totally take him on, take on this so-called Texas miracle. Because once you get away from all of the myths, you'll see that Rick Perry is a big government guy. And a douchebag. And a douchebag. And here, so I, you look him up, and here's what some of the things you run into. He was a Democrat until 1989. That means during the entire Reagan administration. He was not only a Democrat, which kind of puts him, as far as I'm concerned, disqualifies him as a Republican. But he was the head of Al Gore's <laughs> election campaign in 1988. He's the guy who wanted to put that big road through Texas that comes out of Mexico. Yeah. He's the one who did forced vaccinations. Yeah. This guy is a total phony. No, he's totally on board with the Gardasil, with the trans, uh, the transcontinental Texas highway, with the trans corridor. What is it called? Yeah, the corridor. Yeah, the corridor. Oh yeah, no, the guys, people in Austin are like, this guy's a douchebag, and he's been trying he's to get all the roads bag. told. And the well, fact that he's getting all this attention from these Republicans who should know better, especially the Tea Party people. This guy was a Democrat. Yeah, but John, the fix is so in on the, the media is already. It's already done. They, I mean, this is exactly what I said. Michelle Bachman wins Iowa straw poll. Rick Perry jumps in the race. I mean, it's set. It's fixed. This, and by the way, I think that I think he will uh, w- win the nomination. I really well, actually there's a there's an uh, op-ed in written on CNN that claims the same thing when and has all the rationales for it. If this guy wins the nomination, I mean. Why don't we just, we should just stop doing the show. No, 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 no. Ixnay on the ops day. Anyway. Hungry hay. Hungry. <laughs> Need to eat a. Hey, here's a little side little side thing. Yo. Play the Hugo Chavez clip and tell me if there's anything in here that's that just strikes you as a little strange. El Castro did not show up last night for a special birthday concert held in his honor. Today is his 85th birthday. Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, who is in Cuba for cancer treatment, sent a Twitter message saying he was celebrating with Castro. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? <laughs> you can find me on the tweeters. 
Castro use his tweeter? Oh, Hugo does apparently. I don't know if Castro knows what a computer is. But, he, but, but Hugo sure Hugo does. Ca- what is Hugo Chavez using Twitter for? Yeah. I mean, give me a break. Is he, uh, is, wait a minute, let's, is he Twitter.com slash Hugo? I don't know. Let's see. Let's Twitter, take a look. Twitter. I never <laughs> thought to look. Hugo, <laughs> Hugo Chavez. Chavez Twitter account. That's funny. Hold on. We shall. Uh... Yeah, I got uh, Hugo Chavez Amno. That's probably not him. With uh, 1,600 followers. <laughs> I don't think that's him. Could it just be Chavez? Well, Chavez and Nanga on Twitter. Yeah, let's see. Maybe. Alejandro Chavez. Eh, he's not on Twitter. It says right here in The Guardian, Hugo Chavez uses Twitter to run Venezuela from hospital. He's using it to run the government, according to The Guardian. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's probably one of Lucifer's uh, techno experts. Like, hey, I got, it. I got me a cool Twitter handle. <laughs> Watch this. Twitter name. Oh, let me look and see if we can find this. Can anyone, maybe someone in the chat room can find it for us. He's Let's running see. the government. From, he's probably private then if he's running the government from Twitter. Here, Twitter Twitter verifies Chavez's account. Does he, they have the check mark? He's, he's verified. Hold on. No. <laughs> yeah, let me see. <laughs> what has the world come to? Yeah, Chavez. Oh, it K- is Kandanga. verified. That is ridiculous. It is Chavez Ananga. Oh, my goodness. And it's, I'm not even verified. I can't get verified. I bitched about it because there's a phony John C. Dvorak on Twitter, and they don't care. Bad screw you. Yeah. yeah, this is the guy. 1.9 million followers. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's ludicrous. Weird. That's crazy. Someone needs to do some design on his page. Just a red it's background. Twitter, he that's needs a better photo. Yeah, that's no good. Wow. Yeah, he's verified. Check mark. Thank you, tweeter. So what? So what did he write a note in to the tweet, tweeter jerk offs? And they said, "Oh well, let's check him." Yep, that's him. Let's see if uh, if he says. Anything. And he's also got a website, Chavez dot org slash ve dot ve dot ve Chavez dot org dot ve. You send donations. And look at his look at his website, Chavez dot org dot ve, with the big at sign. <laughs> Wait, I'm following him. Hold on. And it's like a, it's like a. <laughs> following i'm following hugo chavez what is that is he's like so cyber with his at sign with it with a little accent over it by the way yeah i noticed that i know it's weird and this is his follower number one nine two one seven one two he brags about it he's got it on his main website he's got his follower number one nine two one seven one two it's probably code for something you know i think baron von pelsmacher should have one of these sites with him like saluting and stuff, yeah, and have and, and showing the areas of Belgium which are under his <laughs> under his command, <laughs> under his barony. <laughs> yeah, then there's the disputed areas, <laughs> and there he is with uh, with Castro. Little picture yeah. there, fantastic. And hey, this tweeter thing is revolutionary, isn't it? These guys might be dead for all we know. <laughs> Loose for Clinton's just running this out of the State Department. Could be. That is too funny. Ah, good catch. I like that. Good job. So, uh, there's a couple other things that are kind of interesting. Uh, the hecklers. Um, there's a bunch of the big news this week. The nothing to see here moment was the apparently the Facebook 
action in Missouri where they banned. I had a clip last show. I forgot that we never played, but it was about the new law they passed. And now every morning show has got all these stories about the evil teachers, you know, seducing the 17 year olds. Oh, yeah. Teacherwithbenefits.com. And, uh, I mean, we could play a couple of those after the break. I'll play because there's one that's just like a real eye roller. Some you know, girl that runs off with her toe. She, she starts showing up at her teacher's house. Hey, something happens. Well, now, you, now you've got me all worked up. Is this t- Facebook and teachers on today's show? Well, there's that one, and there's another one. The tale of Facebook woe, student and teacher, is actually the, the one that initiated the, uh, the, the thread, if you want to play that one first. Yeah, let's play the jingle first. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. Facebook friendship with the teacher took her down a slippery slope. Woo. 19-year-old Alicia Cotolo, like so many others her age, has Hold been on a second, stop. 19-year-old, okay? Is it, you're legal then, right? You've been legal for a while, and if you're in France, you've been legal forever. And the Vatican, you've been legal for six years. Up to four hours a day on Facebook. I probably have about 400 Facebook friends, and most of them are people that I have met face-to-face. But just over two years ago, when she was a junior in high school, she got an unexpected friend request from her teacher. I didn't think anything of it because it wasn't a stranger. It was someone I knew, someone I trusted. And it was that trust in him that took the relationship to a different level. The conversations became about more than just math class. I remember that we were talking online one night and I had to fix a situation that was going on at home. When I came back, I was crying and I was really upset and um, he could tell and he asked me what was wrong and I kind of opened up and told him what was going on, how misunderstood I felt, how alone I felt and that's when it kind of all started to change into a more flirtatious atmosphere. Relationship became physical, and the communication moved from the computer to her teacher's home. Yeah. Alicia knew she was in trouble. <laughs> I hated myself because I knew I was smarter than that. But at the same time, the being understood by someone, finally, for once in four or five years, it was nice. And that's probably what kept me, you know, going over there. After a few months, Alicia put an end to the relationship and reported her teacher to the authorities. He got sentenced to probation for 18 months and had to register as a sex offender. I don't understand why somebody would do that to someone else. I don't understand why you would take a vulnerable Vulnerable. teenage girl who already has self-esteem issues and bring her down to that point. And although Alicia's story is extreme, the idea of teachers and students being online friends is more common than you might think. In fact, a new poll by... What's the point? I don't know. You know what the point is. You played the theme at the beginning. It's nothing to see here. Jeez. Anyway, so they passed a law in Missouri saying you can't talk to anybody. And uh, and so now in the morning, in the other in the morning, uh, on the Today Show, they had a bunch of editors from various, like 17 and the other magazines. And they were saying about how this is, you know, everybody on Facebook has a, has a teacher as their friend. And it's, you know, it's something you can't do anything about. It. It's too late. And then they made it. They tried to discuss this. But this is just like a lame 
very popular story in the mainstream media. Do you mind if we not play the other clip then? Because it's like three and a half minutes. You don't have to play the whole thing. The um, but the, 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 I think this clip is the one that's the key, which is this girl giving her tale of woe. And it's just like it's a real. It just makes you wonder what's you know. Well, what it makes me is, is first she's having an basically having an affair with a teacher. They broke it off, and so she calls the cops. I mean, that's essentially what the story is all about. Yeah, I mean, I had a crush on a teacher when I was young. When I was like sixteen, seventeen, I went to her house once. Ooh, yeah. Tell us more. <laughs> and uh, I met her husband. <laughs> I drove like on my moped, like you know, like for two hours Hoping for the best. <laughs> it's like this is gonna rock. And her my husband was there, bed. like, would you like some spaghetti? Uh, yeah. Hi, Miss uh, Jenkins. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Don't mind the zits. It's just me. Yeah, I mean, come on. Where was Facebook when I was a kid? Getting all sexed up with my teacher. This is probably going on. I mean, this girl's story is probably uh, going on everywhere. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, you're 19. And what is that? Is that still high school? 19? No, you you'd be out. Well, let She's me ask, out. Well, this happened. She said it happened a couple of years ago. Oh, but now she this, was 17. Now, now you have a 15, 16. How old is Jay now? 15, 16? 17. She's 17. Oh, yeah. Time flies. Yes. Uh, so if this happened and, you know, some douchebag... She doesn't te- spend... No, she's not doing anything no, without us. I, I know She that. can't get out of the house. We got to lock it under <laughs> She got her on a leash. <laughs> she got her on a leash. <laughs> and she's Facebook time. She's got an alarm clock on it. <laughs> 15 minutes is up. <laughs> okay, but now seriously, if this happened somehow, wouldn't you be outraged? Oh, I'd be outraged. Yeah. You'd be on the Today Show. Plug in our show. I would be a pl- yes. <laughs> it's like, I will have to talk about this outrage on my podcast. The best podcast in the world. Maybe not. Um, okay, I've got something for... You're going to do the Sunday or the Saturday Times today? What? Uh, which one? Sunday again. Sunday Times. Okay, good. Um... I think they, I think they move it around. I, I think I was wrong with my first assumption that the Saturday Times was the it coded is, it paper. Is the, okay, it's Sunday Times, good. I do have some local news uh, from uh, Pennsylvania. Remember that judge who uh, was taking uh, handouts and payback like a million bucks to put kids uh, into jail? Remember that? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, if it's for the for these uh, for these prisons that uh, commercial prisons, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, he, they gave him twenty eight years in prison. Good. <laughs> and he's saying these were consulting fees. Was his defense? <laughs> <laughs> awesome consulting. I, I think it is good. You know, like they really threw the book at that guy. Awesome. Four times the 87-month sentence. That, how come that's not national news? Oh, please. It's a scandal. These private prisons are a scandal in this country. They're, and what that guy was doing is probably going on elsewhere, which was r- routing kids into these prisons so they could be slave labor, mm-hmm. and the prisons get a certain amount of money from the government to, to operate the prisons. It's, cor- it's unbelievable that this is going on, and it hasn't. No, nobody's done anything about it. So you understand it exactly. He was um, found guilty of 12 of 39 racketeering and fraud charges for accepting millions of dollars in bribes or consulting fees from friends who own detention centers to which he was sending juvenile delinquents. 
Is that, I mean, and what do we have on the news? Oh, the teacher made out with me on Facebook. How exactly. That's ridiculous. It's actually a little bit sickening. Uh, then we have a uh, massive shut up slave moment. Now, this happened in your neck of the woods. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up. Uh, I guess there was some uh, potential rioting going on um, at the BART station, which is the Bay Area Rapid Transit, and they turned off the cell phone network inside the station. <laughs> so yeah, here's, a- we, we, yeah, we actually we didn't discuss this on the show, but we discussed it over the dinner table, and there's a lot of interesting information here. What happened was somebody thought there might be a protest because somebody in the BART station, one of the BART stations in San Francisco was killed by BART police, which is, seems to happen every so often. Yeah. And just, you know, just, hey, boom. So uh, they're gonna, there was a rumor that they were going to sh- have a, a sit-in or a, some sort of a protest uh, on this day of last week. Of course, there was not a protest or anything. It was just bull crap. And BART freaks out. And they either, and this is where it gets muddy because nobody really knows how this happened. They either talked to AT and T, or they talked to all these cell phone providers, or they did, or they, whatever the case was. There's apparently some service in some of the BART stations, and they shut it off so people couldn't get to their cell phone. A couple of things come to mind. One was this a BART run repeater? Was it an AT&T repeater? Who owned the repeater? I think it was a jammer. I think it was a cell phone jammer. And then, well, that was the other story. The one they said they turned it off, and the other one, see, I don't believe the jammer story. Oh. Uh, I believe that they shut down the, the Femta cell, which I believe they had a small micro cell inside the uh, station that they just flipped a switch on. That's my guess. And I'm not even sure who has respons- responsibility for that. This is very unclear. The reporting is very crummy because nobody knows how these things even work. And so they can't report on them because heaven forbid we have an expert that knows what he's talking about actually asking the questions because that can't can't do that. And so we don't know. And we don't know who's, you know, if, they, if it's something you can sue over or whatever, or it's just a courtesy that they even have cell phone coverage in the station. And uh, I don't know. This is just a mystery. Well, the microcell sounds feasible, but don't these microcells aren't? Uh, they probably have them per network, so they have one for Verizon, one for AT and T, one for T Mobile. That would seem logical. Yeah, actually, uh, producer Michael here has one in his house because he can't get you get. There's no cell service here. He has an AT and T uh, microcell. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and that, apparently they're you can free. also use it to cook. You can also cook with it. So uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean you can cook in- with it? Put a, put a, a hot plate right next to it and then put an egg on there. So um, anyway, so this, so it's, this story is still evolving. I, I, that's why I didn't bring it up. It's like we don't even know what the hell's going on. Okay. Well, there is something, an, another thing from your neck of the woods that uh, I thought was interesting. Uh, apparently, the China, Chiners now are counterfeiting wine. Ah, uh, well, that doesn't surprise me. A bottle of wine is very easy to replicate, says Sheng Wen. Especially in China, where they can replicate anything, they can replicate these holograms on on expensive drugs. Yeah, this is from uh, France quarante vingt quarante quarante vingt twenty four. There's my French. Uh, the counterfeiters just search for the original bottles in restaurant trash. Once they got a hold of one, they reproduce the label, replicate the bottle, and put them on the supermarket shelves. 
Yeah, they could do that. Have you ever? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, this is not a new phenomenon, especially with Bordeaux, uh, when they because it was just collectible. And so, what you can do, and it's been done over the years, is um, I'm surprised the Chinese haven't taken it up a notch, which is to, is to start not the stuff that you can get out of the garbage can, but the really high end wines that are going at auction now. The Chinese are buying up all the first growth Bordeaux, like Chateau Lafitte, for example. If you have any of it, don't drink it. Just sell it to the Chinese because they're spending thousands of dollars a bottle for Chateau Lafitte. It's like the favorite wine of the prestige wine right now to buy in China. And what you do. Which reminds me, Adrian, which irks me to some extent because I had some I could have sold. To anyway, so so uh, those wines traditionally have been counterfeited for probably hundreds of years. And, and Lafitte in particular has no uh, fancy, maybe the newest vintages might, but some of the wineries are putting holograms on the labels, they're putting special codes, they're doing a lot of anti-counterfeiting uh, methods. But some of these wines, like, as far as I know, Lafitte's not doing that. And I think the Chinese can copy those bottles and put them on the auction because most of the Chinese, when they have an expensive bottle, when they're just showing it off. I was in a... Uh, <laughs> they they pull this stunt, especially the the a lot of the Chinese are cheap, and uh, as, you, as reflected in the, the amount of <laughs> the, money we donations. Get from China. Yes, the China. By the way, would you please say it China? China. So, so I'm in a I'm in a restaurant, a high end place to be taken out to dinner by the guy, some rich Malaysian Chinese guy China. who is uh, China, who is uh, <laughs> head of the South uh, China Post uh, group. He's, he's a billionaire. China. So we're, we're sitting there, and he's going to show all. He's going to bring out some great wine for us. And so he, he brings out this bottle. I forgot what it was, but it was like some expensive, really obscure vintage of a very expensive Bordeaux. And he has it. The waiter comes out and brings it out. And he hands it to him. He holds it. And he says, look, look, look. And he makes everyone look at it. And then he sends the wine back and brings out some piece of crap that we drank. What was and that so about? It was to show that he had, the, I don't know. It was like something to show off. And then he decided, he made it as though, well, you know, I don't think this wine would be appropriate for tonight. Let's get, and then he orders something else and it's just a cheap wine. <laughs> it's China guys, man. First he had to show us the bottle. That, so he's proved that he's a big I shot. And then uh. we drink the cheap crap. And I'm thinking, what is this bull? And I realized that the Chinese are buying up all these Bordeaux right now for that exact purpose. They're not drinking these wines. They're just showing them. Damn so the counterfeiters can make a fortune. So this does br- bring me back to my app idea, which I think we could still resurrect. The John C. Dvorak wine recommendation app, where you're in a restaurant, and if you don't know what to, uh, what to order, then you just take a picture with your phone with, through this app of the, of the wine list that is then sent to you, and then you make a recommendation. Right, I, I, I'm sitting there and I... <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, wine recommendation necessary. <laughs> you have to be home a lot, but I'm. T- I think people would pay five bucks. <laughs> I'm sure they would. <laughs> yeah. Just on the off chance I could help. Them. Show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. We do have a few donors for this week, uh, starting off with Jay in Praha, Czechoslovakia. Please call me Jay. Greetings, John Adam from the expat and Gitmo nation, Kafka. Kafka. That's a good one. 
I was waiting for a more favorable exchange rate before donating, but your check donor on Thursday forced my hand. <laughs> it's my pleasure to support you and the valuable service you provide. I look forward to the future of Hot Pockets United States of Europe tour. There you go. Oh, you know, no. Oh, yes. no. No. Hey, by, by, by the way, you know, if we were to do a West Coast uh, Hot Pockets 2009, have you seen the Airstream, the new Airstream RV? You should look at Airstream.com. You, 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 this is what you're, you're surfing about RVs now. I knew this would happen. Yeah, because that thing, it's got a Mercedes oh, man, engine. It's beautiful. If those guys would sponsor it, I'd consider it. Well, we should start pressuring them because the Airstream people could sponsor a Hot Pockets tour. Yeah, look forward to the future of Hot Pockets U.S. And for Mr. Dvork... Dvork. For a visit to the land of his ancestors, may, may have a shot at karma as I am marrying a German next month. Oh boy, you need a double <laughs> shot, actually. <laughs> You've got karma. I'm moving. Justin Seitz, Sir Justin Seitz to you, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Can't believe it. The Hot Pockets 2008 tour is almost over. I'd like to suggest the following book for the No Agenda Book Club. An excellent book is Joseph Farrell's Babylon Banksters, The Alchemy of Deep Physics, High Finance, and Ancient Religion. Mm. Central thesis outlines the consistent pattern and strategy of bankers in ancient and modern times and their desire to suppress the public development of alternative physics. What? And, and energy, energy technology. Right up your alley. Yeah, and energy technologies. There you go, baby. Zero point energy. Zero point energy. Uh, double nickels on the dime from Justin. Sir Justin, to you. Kenneth Michael Bust in Fredrikstad, Norway. All things are getting back to normal here in Oslo. I need some karma for my hunt for an apartment and gigs to help me pay for it. As I am living the American dream in Norway of just, yeah, getting, just by. getting by. Yeah, perfect. You've got karma. Nice. Also, double nickels on the dime from Matthew Wilbur of Ruther Glen, Virginia. Chris Slowinski of Sherwood Park, Alberta, $50. Jason Burke, Richmond, Texas, $50. JKLM, Inc., in Livingston, Texas, $50. Mike Westerfield, Sir Mike Westerfield, I'm sorry, in Enderlin, uh, North Dakota. And uh, Timothy Johnson in Altamont Springs, uh, $50 with a note in the morning. John and Adam, I'm making this donation as a birthday present on behalf of Justin Howard in Fort Gordon, Georgia. His birthday is the 14th Sunday, so give him a shout-out. also like to call out Sean Leftwich, Leftwich, in Jacksonville, Florida, as a douchebag. Douchebag. I've hit him in the mouth a while ago, and he has yet to contribute. Ah, I hate it when that happens. Uh, then I got to be our uh, our producers for this week's show. We appreciate all the contributions and hope that uh, uh, we pick it up a little bit before the end of the month. Yeah, we were Thanks. a little bit light. Luckily, Baron. Uh, Baron Mike Zelina of Ohio came in uh, with the Hot Pockets producer donations. Matt Frank uh, also donated $200. He organized the meetup, and he also graciously paid for uh, Miss Mickey and my dinner. Uh, Josh Dubravik, double nickels on the dime. He actually handed over double nickels and the dime. Uh, David Jackson, $40. Yeah, it's cool when people come to the meetups. Uh, He gave you you what? 30 cents? Yeah. Or no, 20 cents, two nickels and a dime? Yeah. And then $55.10. Oh, okay. That's what I was wondering. David Jackson, $40. Just said that. Ben Blondin, $120. Nelson from NoAgendaWords.com, $50. Nelson is a mail carrier. 
and he has uh, promised to give me the inside dope on everything that's happening uh, with the U.S. Postal Service. Um, nice guy, by the way. And Brian Gulbalt, Gulbalt, G-O-I-L-B-A-U-L-T, Gulbalt, one hundred dollars. It was great seeing everybody at the meetup. Thank you so much. It was awesome. We have another meetup today, uh, and that will be here in uh, the great state of Pennsylvania, Shikshini, at the Log Home, which you would like very much, John, of uh, producers Michael and Sarah. But first, uh, let me remind you that the only way to keep the show on the air is to support Dvorak.org. us. Slash N-A. With your donations. It's uh, highly important, and uh, even though we're... We're not down the 30% we predicted, which usually happens, and I think part of that is because of the Hot Pockets tour, which is great. Uh, but it's hard work, and we're still down, what, 15% normal from normal donations? Yeah, it's summer, and this August is always the worst. I yeah, mean, that's, there's nobody around. I don't know how many people... Are, I mean, people will be catching up to the show, I'm sure. I mean, even uh, Sir, the Baron uh, is not caught up. <laughs> what do you mean the Baron's not caught up? He said in his note that he's just, you know, he just heard about your about Mickey getting the ticket. Yeah. Well, he's you know, he's busy. He's busy managing Belgium. He yeah, got, it is a lot of work. Yeah, they got no uh It wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't filled with Belgians. <laughs> be very careful. All right, let's uh, say a little happy birthday here. one, uh, but you just heard it there in the donation segment. Timothy Johnson says happy birthday to Justin Howard of Fort Gordon, Georgia. His birthday is today, August the 14th, 2011. Happy birthday from Adam John all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. And no nightings today, John, unfortunately. So uh, we'll just have to live with what it is. And again, uh, if you follow at MD Greyer, G-R-I-E-R, uh, you can find out all about the meetup today. I think we have like uh, 20, 25 people coming today to the lake house, uh, which will be beautiful. And uh, the Duchess is parked uh, prominently out front with the uh, all the domain name URLs pointing towards the street, um, covertly behind a bush. And it's uh, it's it's uh, it's been nice here. You know, Pennsylvania is beautiful. I have to say. Oh, no, Pennsylvania is fantastic, especially when you get into the countryside. It's just... It's, and actually, even the city of Pittsburgh is quite quite charming. It always seems like a grimy industrial town, but it's actually very pretty. I don't know if you're going to pass through or not. Um, no. Uh, we are right near that, uh, that big nuclear reactor here. Not the Three Mile Island one, which also isn't actually that far, but there's another one here. Big... Uh, Big nuclear smokestack. Where are you? You, you? What's the big city where you are? Uh, well, not far from Scranton. Shikshini. Sure, yeah. do you've heard of it? No. <laughs> but I was looking on the map a minute ago. I couldn't find it. But this this house is an architectural marvel. It's been featured in uh, some magazines. Would you have a photo of it? I didn't. Did yeah, 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 yeah. Miss Mickey's taking some pictures. And uh, it's great, you know, they, they, even in this, like, they, they, you know, they're like in these house magazines and it's like they talk about their fire pit where they have conversation with friends and stargaze. <laughs> 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 and they've got the big walk-in freezer. Yes. Yeah. but With well, the hooks. Yeah. <laughs> John's gonna hum the Sunday time. Time once again for John C. Dvorak's weekly segment as he takes a look at the Sunday Times. 
Well, the uh, pushing, uh, I'm looking at the Sunday Times, the Iowa poll goes to Bachman. Paul is second. They do give him credit. Oh, nice. And on the top photo, they have uh, four photo spread. And the one far upper left is Ron Paul and his wife, cool. Midge. Uh-huh. And uh, whoever her name is. And then uh, Bachman. And then uh, then below Paul is uh, Rick Perry. And then Palenti, who's just not get, getting anywhere. Well, he dropped out. Bothered. He just announced today that he dropped out. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's worried. Yeah. Well, he should drop out. He's got nothing going on. No. Uh, then now they're the top up left story written by Matt Richtel for some interesting reason. Uh, starved budgets inspire a new look at web gambling. States covet revenues. I think that this is a, this is going to happen. We're going to see a bunch of states promote web gambling on the various websites. You know, this is what you do when the, when you when you're broke. The country's broke. Soak the public with the gambling scams. Wait a minute. So it's going to be like on the actual state website. You'll have a picture of the capital, and next to that, it'll be like Texas Hold'em. I would think it's more to promote. It doesn't really say, but. Uh, it sounds to me as though what they're going to do is they're going to pr- promote more lottery games. Mm. You know, it's like the state, you know, California, for example, we put uh, some years ago, we were always against it, but we put together a state lottery to help education. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, all the money's going to go to education. education. It's got like a 50% payback. So for every million dollars that goes in, 500000 is paid out, which is extremely low. Yeah. So, uh, so I was asking about this to somebody uh, lately. And I said, so what happened? You know, I thought we we're supposed to. How come our schools are in the tank? I thought all this this lottery was going to push us over the top and make everything great. No, what happened was, as soon as they they did the budget on the lottery, how much money was going to provide education? They took the education budget and moved it someplace else. Yeah, it wasn't on top of the education budget. It was a replacement, just to keep it going. Unbelievable. Yeah. So anyway, so ins- but anyway, so I go inside the paper because the front page isn't really. You just heard everything, and there's a huge article uh, that runs from page uh, seven to. Let's see, what's it start on? It's six, and it cuts the nut to page eight. It's on. And the headline is: Amid the rise of multiculturalism, Dutch confront their questions of identity. You know, I read this article because someone sent it to me. It is the most inaccurate piece of crap I've ever read. It's pretty bad. It's And it's really, it's they're saying that, you know, because of Geert Wilders, that uh, it's the next Oslo, essentially. That's That was my takeaway from this piece. Well, I, I didn't get that. I think when you read it in print, you get a different impression. And, they've, and, they've, I, do and they get, I do the one tidbit, which is beside the point of the overall article, which is somebody complaining and... Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. I used uh, to be able... Read, let me just quote from this, this <laughs> just one paragraph. They don't speak Dutch, they don't know Holland, and they saw the sexual revolution, feminism, and youth anarchism as a, as a, provoc, a, provoc, a provocation, Mr. Markuch said. He remembers his father saying with contempt, he's an immigrant, with contempt, quote, Women are the bosses here. <laughs> I thought you were going to read the piece about the woman who says, in the 80s, I could sunbathe topless on my balcony. No, this is, this is better. Yeah. The, uh, you can still bathe sun. Well, maybe you can. But women are the bosses. So is that right, Adam? So no. Mickey's wearing the pants in the family? Uh, it's disgusting. <laughs> yes, she is. She's the boss of me. 
That's okay. I like it. You know how she wakes me up in the morning? She, she says, Aktun. <laughs> she goes like this. She claps her hands, and then she says, like, you know how, like, you lead a horse when you want the horse to, to walk into the stable? She goes, Come here. Come on. Surprised he doesn't tell, put some meat under your nose. <laughs> some oats. Uh, oats. <laughs> Good morning. Was maybe? Yeah, they failed to mention that Pim, they say Pim Fortan uh, was killed by an animal rights activist. They failed to mention it was one week before the election where his party was going to sweep the elections. And the fact that there were multiple bullets and all kinds of stuff. And then uh, our, our good friend Theo van Gogh, who got machine gunned down and then his, half his head cut off and then they stuck a note into his chest with a knife. Yeah, yeah I think that's a setup. To me, it felt like a big setup for uh, some kind of event happening in, uh, in Gitmo Nation lowlands, which is uh, sad, but it feels right. feels like it's mm. time there. I thought the, the the crazy incident that happened on Queen's Day a couple years ago where the guy's trying to run down the Queen. Yeah, he killed eight people. Yeah, was, the, uh, was no. the peak of that stuff. No, I think we're, we're due for something really bad, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, what can you say? Did you have any more? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Well, wrap it. I, before, well before we wrap it, uh, I found something in a Times article from a little bit earlier this week that I wanted to ask you about, if you don't mind me putting that under the humming the Sunday Times. I think there's a rebranding uh, effort at work for Al-Qaeda. Well, you know, by, I, we've talked about this before. The, uh, for one thing, the New York Times keeps using the word Qaeda. Yes. And they leave I, Al off. Have it's we just talked Qaeda, about Qaeda, it? Qaeda, Qaeda, Qaeda. But this has been going on, and I mentioned this on a show, if you recall, about three months ago when I first, when I first got my Times subscription. No. I, was, I started noticing this. I don't know what the point of it is. Yeah, I, I didn't notice it. Maybe we did talk about it. I can't recall. But here's the headline is Qaeda trying to harness toxin for bombs, U.S. officials yeah. fear. And then the and and in the article it, it literally says, you know, Qaeda, 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 Qaeda. Intelligence officials say they have collected evidence that Qaeda operatives. Why is that? Isn't Al Qaeda? I mean, you can't just say, you know, damn instead of Adam. Damn, it makes no sense. Uh, it's like calling. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you think Al is like his first name, <laughs> like Al Capone. Why are we using Al? There you go. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Al Capone, Al Qaeda. <laughs> it's the same thing. Same thing. Same guy. Advertising. They've buried Al Qaeda out in the New Jersey Meadowlands. Hey, talking about advertising. So PBS uh, has decided to start running advertising in the middle of their shows now. Every 15 minutes. Every 15 minutes. But I, I was watching PBS Kids. As, as one brainwashing does. the kids, yeah. So I have a. This is one. This is one of the breaks. This is right after the uh, monkey show that they have on PBS. Uh, <laughs> the monkey show, Curi <laughs> Curious George. Oh, which I think is a Steven Spielberg show, to be honest about it. But anyway, and so they break from the show, and then they they start they ran run off two solid minutes of commercials that are worth listening to because they use kids the way I want to use kids. With the mofo, uh, uh, for example. <laughs> Adios, mofo. 
they use kids as their announcers, and we want to. And you said you were going to get that clip of all the. Or I guess you do have it. You played it last time. Yeah. The kids trying to say all our themes. Yeah. But anyway, play this. So you see what you have to put up with on PBS, and then we can maybe comment on the fact that they're making kids go to Chuck E. Cheese. This program was made possible by Rainforest Cafe, proud sponsor of Curious George, reminding you that anyone can make the world a brighter place by conserving our natural resources. When you're saving one can, you're You're saving saving two cans. Chuck E. Cheese's, proud supporter of PBS Kids, helping kids discover the fun of learning not only what the world can do, but also what they can do. PBS Kids, where a kid can be a kid. Curious George is also brought to you by contributions to your PBS station and from viewers like you. Thank you. PBS Kids. KQED thanks our members and community partners for their support. Stratford School, a private preschool, elementary, and middle school. Announcing open houses August 6th from 10 to noon at campuses throughout the Bay Area. Learn more at stratfordschools.com. Children's Fairyland in Oakland is a magical place where young children can create, imagine, play, and learn. Rides, puppet shows, animals, and performances with family memberships now available. Learn more about Children's Fairyland at fairyland.org. Something wild is coming to PBS Kids Go. Activate Creature Power Suit. Cutting-edge technology. A tech-savvy team. Two brothers on a mission. Something tells me we're in real trouble. Protecting creatures of the world from danger. Wait, how do I plan? Sort of. Wild Kratz on PBS Kids Go. Weekday afternoons at 5.30. You're watching community-supported television, KQED. Okay, so how is this different than commercial television, and why are they still asking people for money? Well, that was going to be my question before we went into that. It is, it is just commercials, and they're selling theme parks and all kinds of other crap. It's ridiculous. They always have a th- I think they, they limit the commercials to having some sort of a, a message. Well, you have to make them say- boring. You gotta ma- they're just going to be boring. that? They're boring. It's unbelievable. I mean, if if they were any good, it would be like. Are you mofos? That would be good. Yeah, that would be better. And they don't have that. Ugh. Hey, by the way, so I got this clip. Rick Rick Perry, and I, I, I he says Israel in a funny way, and he. Uh, so I repeated it so he could really understand. Try to figure out what. It, so it's, he's going to this little clip. He's. I'm mocking the fact, fact that he can't pronounce Israel. He pronounces it. I don't even know how this what this is. Our president has insulted our friends. Friends. And he's encouraged our enemies. Ooh. Thumb in his nose at traditional allies like Israel. 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 <laughs> he, he seeks to dictate new borders for the Middle East and the oldest democracy there, Israel. 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 Well, he is an abject <laughs> failure in his constitutional duty to protect our borders in the United States. Israel. 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 It's Israel. Israel. Well, that's the new name for it. So I have a news item from Israel that, you know, we've got 100,000 people on the streets now in Israel because there's no food in Israel that anyone can afford. And the protesters have brought out a guillotine. Did you see the picture? 
Yeah, it's great. He's a real one, too. I think that that's a new meme. This is because spec- it's a known fact that that speculators are actually speculating. You know, this is always considered one of these forbo- forbidden things you're not supposed to do. I mean, you can speculate on silver. You can speculate on copper. You can speculate on gold. You can speculate on anything, but you cannot speculate except when you you know if there's a shortage like the coffee industry say that you know they, the whole crop is ruined yeah you can buy up your futures there but just to speculate the way they do with oil on food has always been considered something you don't do but that's what the speculators are doing so what kind of food are they speculating on wheat mostly mm-hmm. and that's why you have these you know the, the wheat prices going through the roof they're trying to corner the market on wheat and that's what you know support if you remember when the uh cocoa. tunisian cocoa. and the, well, yeah, that too. But you remember the Tunisian and Egyptian backstory was that the bread was too expensive. So people were going out in the streets and they were getting all irked about this. And so now the, the food is getting, you know, bread mainly is too expensive. It's getting expensive anyway. there in Tel Aviv and Israel. Israel. I got a house in Tel Aviv and Israel. That's why I'm doing. John, uh, this being the second half of the show, uh, I, you kind of like, you know. I had to mention something, that uh, the Stargate is open. I have proof. You have proof. I have proof the Stargate is open. This is a, this is a report from Milton, Milton, New Hampshire. The Stargate is open! Well, Milton is at least 40 miles from the ocean, so you can imagine the surprise when Milton police got the call that a shark had been discovered in town. Tonight, they continue to investigate where it came from <laughs> as neighbors are left dealing with It's those a fish. It's that fish Stargate. That's right. The fish are now flying out 40, 40 miles inland. They're just wigging out. A big, a big six-foot shark. I told you. Some guy caught the shark and thought it would be funny <laughs> to drive it into town 40 miles away. It's clearly a no agenda producer. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Curry on the Stargate. Watch this. So Lucifer Clinton um, had a meeting with the uh, foreign minister from Norway. And she did her little clippity clop, coming out on her clogs, walking in. You know, they, she she likes that dramatic entrance. By the way, you should go to state.gov. You can see all her videos. It's always the same. They have two uh, big doors, and then clippity clop, clippity clop. Here she comes. And uh, this guy was he he was he said something weird, which maybe was just a, the way he speaks. English, but it, I didn't like it. As a foreign minister, I've seen it as my task to transmit these warm words to the families. And I've been going from funeral to funeral, uh, you know, to uh, follow young teenagers who ended their lives because they went to a political summer camp. Isn't that weird? They ended their lives because they went to political summer camp. You think that's just because it's a it's a translation thing? I think it's a translation issue. Okay. Well, anyway, so while I was I was watching this because I, you know, obviously I'm very interested, and uh, yeah, Lucifer's out there and she's thanking him for all the work in Libya and it's all fantastic. And uh, of course, we know that uh, that my other favorite woman in the world, uh, Susan Rice, is uh, working over there at the UN, and uh, hopefully we'll get some. Uh, what what was the word she used? It was like the I'm loath, I'm loath to think loathe. about loathe. 
And uh, so Lucifer comes out, and she she's got a new one. She's she's working on the marketing, on the marketing. How are we? How, what we need some words. We need some marketing that'll really work to show how pissed off everybody is at this horrible Assad regime in Syria. I mean, there's no chance there are any techno experts or anything in there. And uh, here she is. And there isn't one, Scott. So part of what we've done. Oh, hold on a second. That's not the one I wanted to play. I'm so sorry. Here it is. That's the second one I got to play for you. Oh, come on. Come on, Hillary. And there isn't one, Scott. Oh, this is weird. What is this? Ugh. You have the same clip twice with two different titles. Now here it is. In addition, we discussed Syria, uh, where we both remain acutely concerned about the Assad regime's campaign of violence against their own citizens. Norway and our other European allies have been strong, consistent voices on behalf of the Syrian people, and I commend them for their advocacy. The Assad regime's continued brutality is galvanizing international opinion. There has been a crescendo of condemnation. Oh, a crescendo of condemnation, John. This is good. Let's hear a crescendo for a Uh, How does the crescendo sound? Crescendo. What is a crescendo? That's where the whole band cranks it up and goes and blasts some, you know, a couple of notes out there. That's the way maybe a big... A big piece might end with a crescendo. That's the symbol crescendo I just played for you. So the crescendo, bear that one in mind, it will come back. Not only from the world, but in particular from the region. After the Security Council statement, we've seen movement in rapid succession from the Arab League, the GCC, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and others. The United States will continue to work with our partners to turn this growing consensus into increased pressure and isolation for the Assad regime. In particular, we urge those countries still buying Syrian oil and gas, those countries still sending Assad weapons, those countries whose political and economic support give him comfort in his brutality to get on the right side of history. Ooh, get on the what? right side of history. Those countries. What is he talking about, Russia? Well, so um, there was actually a question, uh, which I don't have because she didn't answer it, and it was like, well, what countries are you calling out, Lucifer? What were you talking about? So she didn't even answer the question. However, she did go on CBS News, and she actually flubbed it because she was supposed to say crescendo, and she came up with something different, and then she called out those countries. And there isn't one, Scott. So part of what we've been encouraging and trying to facilitate uh, is for the opposition to become unified. You're not going to say he has to go? We are, I think, building the uh, chorus of international condemnation. Oh, no! Not the chorus! Oh, she oh, blew no. it! Yeah, and so what? this is... A... Here it is, the chorus of international condemnation. <laughs> She totally blew that one. <laughs> so she meant cor- she meant co- uh, a crescendo, but now it became chorus. And here she calls out the countries. It's been very clear in what we have said about his loss of legitimacy. But what we really need to do to put the pressure on Assad is to sanction the oil and gas industry. And we want to see Europe take more steps in that direction. And we want to see China, uh, China. take steps with us. We want to see India, because India, India and China have large... 
uh, energy investments inside of Syria. We want to see Russia uh, cease selling arms to the Assad regime. She's laughing. Those crazy Russians. Moment seems. So she's calling out China, India, and Russia. And uh, in the clip that I, I didn't finish the, uh, the whole press conference, she says there are new sanctions. Did you know that there are new sanctions against, uh, against Syria? No, I knew, knew of none of this. Well, so I go and look at the uh, whitehouse.gov, and there's nothing from the president. I'm like, well, this is weird. There's, there's, uh, you know, and it turns out that Ambassador Ford, who is the ambassador to uh, Syria... Has uh, is promoting a uh, a new bill, uh, a Senate bill. Oh my goodness! How surprising! Joe Lieberman once again is at it. Now you know that he put Uh-oh. in all the sanctions against Libya. This is uh, Senate Bill One Four Seven Two, Serious Sanctions Act of Two Thousand Eleven. Now the way I understand is these atrocities have to stop. This is ridiculous. You know, Assad is a mass murderer. You know, we're going to put sanctions in place until he stops. So, first, what do you think these sanctions are? Uh, you tell me. You are not allowed to make an investment, described in subparagraph B, of more than $20 million in Syria. What kind of sanction is that? It's not like stopping anything. It's just saying, well, that's <laughs> ridiculous. $20 million or... You cannot make a combination of investments described in subparagraph B in a 12-month period if each such investment is of at least $5 million and such investments equal or exceed $20 million in the aggregate, or sell, lease, and provide Syria goods, services, technology, information, or support described in subparagraph C, which, and this is subparagraph C, has a fair market value of $1 million or more. So that's not a sanction. It's a cap. Not only that, but let's go over something else, which I just I'm looking at now from the book of knowledge. So she calls out these countries, and she mentions the oil industry, which is really very minor and serious. It barely has any oil, less than a less than I think it's five hundred thirty thousand barrels. I think they have refinery, don't they? Have refinery capacity? They, they might, but here's what the point is: she calls out these these you know these people that are they're sending all the stuff to and they're trading with main export partners of Syria. Number one, Iraq. Number two, Iran. Germany. Oh, Germany. Number three. Lebanon, number four, Italy, number five, France, Egypt, Saudi, where's, where is India and China? China. They're not even listed. And then the import partners, yes. Number one, Saudi Arabia. How come she doesn't mention them? But then apparently because China they, is an import partner. Yeah. In other words, China is sending their crap there, which they do everywhere. Russia and Italy again. This is bull crap. Well, let me, now here's where the real bull crap comes in. Uh, Section 9 of Senate Bill 1472, termination of sanctions. Now, from what I understand, we have a crescendo or chorus of condemnation against these atrocities of people being killed. So to end these sanctions, I would presume that if Assad like either got out or um, ended the atrocities, kind of what they said to Gaddafi, that the sanctions would be lifted. Right. Doesn't that make sense? No, no. Oh, no. Termination of sanctions. In general, the requirement to impose sanctions and any sanctions uh, imposed under Section 4 
shall terminate on the date on which the president, that's uh, Barry, submits to the appropriate congressional committees the following. One, certification described in Section 5D of the Syria Accountability and Lebanese Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2003. Really? Well, let's take a look at that. The government of Syria will have to cease providing support for the international terrorist groups and not allow terrorist groups such as Hamas, Hezbollah, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, and the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine General Command to maintain facilities under Syrian control. Approximately 20,000 Syrian troops, this is from the 2003 document, and security personnel occupy much of the sovereign territory of Lebanon under the undue influence of its government and undermining its political independence. So what they're saying is they have to get out of Lebanon in order for these sanctions to be lifted. What does that have to do with anything of atrocities against his own people? It's just a front. It's a whole nothing. To th- another, I wouldn't say nothing to see here. It's just, but the whole thing's a scam. And everywhere in this bill, it's about Iran, 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 Lebanon, Iran, 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 Lebanon. This is the path to Persia. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not at all about Assad killing people because it's not mentioned here. And by the way, the path to Persia, which would be interrupted if Ron Paul got anywhere. Oh yeah. Should it's we, the reason that you're going to see less and less of him. Let's just listen to General Wesley Clark one more time as he talks about that path to Persia. And let's see if he mentions some of these countries. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me and he said, sir, you got to... Come in, you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, No, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They've just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later. And by that time, we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq, and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. It's on track. Apparently. I just found that to be outrageous that not a single journalist takes the time to look at this douchebag bill and says, hold on a second, it has nothing to do at all with Assad. They don't even mention him killing his own people. 
which they did do in Resolution 1973 for Gaddafi. But now there's like, no one reads that crap. We don't need that. Just go straight to what we really want. Yeah, which cut is, to the chase. Yeah, we just want Lebanon. Get the, get the hell out of Lebanon so we can get to Iran. It's just unbelievable. Thank you, mainstream media. Good job, everybody. Now, of course, we're going to need plenty of soldiers to do this. Russia Today had a nice little uh, piece about the recruitment of our fine American young men and women into the armed services and how they do it. Strength to change the way people see you. They're strong, and then there's army strong. From televised ads to Hollywood blockbusters, to video games, to American presidents dubbing soldiers the real patriots. Each of them adds honor to what it means to be a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, and coast guardsman. The image of the American warrior is portrayed as that of the invincible hero. Times Square, one of the number one entertainment spots in the Big Apple, attracts millions from around the world and across the U.S. Apart from the flashy lights and the billboards, there's a recruitment center right here, one of hundreds just in New York. The mesmerizing techniques luring young Americans into serving are more sophisticated than ever before. Sponsoring video game tournaments and paintball tournaments, um, and then going up to these young kids who perform well and say, hey, the U.S. military needs you, we see your skills at this video game. And of course, to a young 15 or 16 or 17-year-old, um, this is something that's very enticing. It's a cruel and deceptive uh, type of recruitment. They want to use all the hippest tools they can to make being in the military as cool as possible. So apparently we have recruiters out there at video game tournaments and then going up to these kids and saying, hey, man, you got some wicked skills. Yeah, we could use a guy like you. Use <laughs> a guy you like. Have you ever thought of being a sniper for yeah, money? Yeah, Marine. So, you know, this reminds me of the movie The Last Starfighter, which for some unknown reason, I don't believe has had a, a, a second version of the same movie. Um and that's what essentially the, the story was there was a video game set up somewhere and then whoever could beat this game, some kid finally did, would be recruited by some some space aliens because everything in the game that you, if you could do what was required in the game, you could fight for the, you know, the galactic army, the galactic, hold, the galactic council and they hold him off. And uh, I think there's it's probably not a bad theory. And of course, that Russia Today uh, piece would have been much better if the girl was hot. Jeez, hello Russia Today, we're ready. We're ready. We've got inventory for you. We can consult. Consulting dot <laughs> com. <laughs> um, then, of course, uh, just this last piece to put it all into perspective. At this point, according to the statistics I've seen, there have been more deaths of U.S. military men and women due to suicide than actual bullets from Taliban and Al-Qaeda. And in this piece you're about to hear, you get part of an idea of why this is happening. It's very sad. Um, but when you hear some of the numbers, it will just freak you out. Sergeant Kirkland did not kill himself, that he was killed by the army. It's an accusation that's been leveled at the military with greater frequency as more and more soldiers commit suicide while on active duty. Derek Kirkland, who tried to kill himself three previous times, took his own life at JBLM 17 months ago. By all accounts, he sought help for post-traumatic stress disorder. But his mother, Mary Corkle, who traveled from Indiana, said the Army did nothing. They could have saved him on that Friday morning if anybody would have went to his room and seen them bloodstains because he did not kill himself until 
late Friday night. Last month, he had a gun to his head three times, yelling, screaming. Ashley Hageman's husband, Jared, an Army Ranger, shot and killed himself on June 28th at JBLM, days before he was scheduled to go on his 10th deployment overseas. 10th deployment. Oh, man. 10th deployment. People, vote for... And please vote for Ron Paul. At least he's going to get this crap over with. Tenth deployment. No wonder. This is crazy. I went to Iraq and within the first night there were big Marines crying on my shoulder. They didn't know what the hell they were doing there. It's just outrageous. Ugh. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yay! So, uh, <laughs> so we got a couple. I got a clip that kind of made Bring us up, clear. Johnny boy. Bring us up. All right, well, here's a clip from 2004, uh, Obama on, on, the, on the importance of experience uh, that was done on a local radio station in the Chicago area. Flashback to 2004. Barack Obama had just won a landslide victory to become Illinois' next U.S. senator. At the time, he ruled out running on a national ticket in 2008, suggesting back then he lacked experience. So why have you ruled that out, running nationally? You know, I, I am a... Uh... A believer in knowing what you're doing when you apply for a job uh, and I think that if I were to seriously consider running on a national ticket I would essentially have to start now before having served a day in the Senate now there's some people who are, might be comfortable doing that uh, but I'm not one of those people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So meanwhile, he gives us one of these speeches after the, you know, the downgrade and all the rest of it. And the way I interpret this is that Obama says we deserve better than Obama. And tell me why I'm wrong with this interpretation of his little chat. It was a self-inflicted wound. That's why people are frustrated. Maybe you hear it in my voice. That's why I'm frustrated. Because you deserve better. You yes. guys deserve better. That's right. Go home. Gringo, go home. Isn't that what he said? He says, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated and you deserve better. Or something. I mean, it sounds like to me that he's, he's giving up. <laughs> well, he is giving up, and that's a prediction that you've made, and I'm down with it. I no, want to spend just, more time with Malika. By the way, he's, all he does is campaign. This is ridiculous. This guy, is this guy ever the president? No. Well, the other guy is. The other Obama. Well, maybe. The one that's been rebooted. Hey, here's a good story for you. Monitoring device is a skin tattoo nowadays. This is gonna this is gonna go somewhere, I bet. Yeah. Well, there's a clip, but it was a cue. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, what is it called? Monitoring devices, a skin tattoo is what it's called. Well, hey, you know, I'm just a disc jockey. If it doesn't say, you know, Britney Spears, it's hard for me to find. A tattoo that could change the face of medicine. Our Mary Snow's in New York with more on how uh, these electronic devices can track patients. What's going on here, Mary? This is really amazing, Wolf. You know, it can sound like the stuff of science fiction. Researchers have come up with a device that they see as blurring the line between biology and electronics. It also has the potential of being used for beyond medicine. When you think of 
tattoos, medical advances are probably not the first thing that come to mind. But consider this small electronic tattoo of sorts. A study in the journal Science says this tiny device can fundamentally change the way patients are monitored. University of Illinois professor John Rogers is the study's co-author. How do you see this device being used immediately? In terms of near-term uh, applications would be in clinical use uh, in hospitals for uh, monitoring uh, health, wellness, uh, physiological status. The beating of the heart, brain activity, and muscle contraction, say researchers. You know, the Germans tried that tattoo thing in World War II. Yeah, that was just for keeping track of people. But uh, I, I think you'll recall that I spoke about, uh, there's a company out there that is, I uh, forget the name momentarily, this was a couple of years ago, um, and you poo-pooed it at the time. But I know, I never poo-pooed it. That uh, tracking, RFID tracking would be uh, put into syringes. Uh, and you would get an, uh, a vaccination for, like, I don't know, swine flu or something, and they would actually inject this I- under the skin. What's the name of that company? I don't know. Yeah, someone in the chat room member. But, uh, oh, yeah, oh, it's, all, it's all come true. The, that's, the, that's the weird thing, John, is, like, all this stuff comes true, including the Stargate opening up. So the weirdest story that's floating around, and I think we have to address this in, a, in some future shows, <coughs> is the research on chimeras. Chimera? Yeah, C-H-I-M-E-R-A. A chimera, which is a, taken from a Greek, Greek mythology, it refers to a, um, an orga- a person, an organism, an animal that has two separate sets of DNA uh-huh. within itself. And it turns out that a lot of fraternal twins in the womb, uh, when they're just born and they're sitting there, and they actually can even see them on the, uh, on the ultrasound, one will subsume the other. Like eat it? Yeah. And then when the, when the baby's born, it actually has the DNA from both people. Okay. And this is like, for one thing, is causing nothing but trouble because DNA <laughs> testing now turns out to be pretty dubious. And, the, and because the, a lot of the psychos will have like one strand of DNA that's different in their fingers than they do in their saliva or really? in their whatever body part. Really? Yeah. And I was thinking, because apparently, and it turns out the most modern research indicates that these types of incidents is more common than ever believed before. It used to always be considered a freak of nature when you had a chimera, which was an animal that had DNA from itself and it had its own brother inside and two, actually two arguing brains, one taking over the other, which wow. leads me to wonder about the bisexuals who have the, you know, the man of a body and the woman inside them that has to come out and bipolar people who have like two yeah. split personalities Wow. And there turns out now that there's a lot of these guys who are getting off because of DNA testing who may have done the crime because the DNA test was the test of them and not their their, you know, the other part of them that's part, you know, like their arm might have a different DNA structure. And this has become huge. This is going to be one of the biggest stories as it develops and I think it's largely because of this the concept of the bisexual that that you know the transsexual that has to be not a bisexual but a transsexual that you know the guy who, you know, uh, uh, or, or girl. Bono's kid. 
Yeah, you know, uh, who seems like more like a guy than a girl after the operation. And this is a very interesting phenomenon going on right now in research. Big, big story. You say it with a little bit of disdain, like, like you know, it's like it's what it is, right? It's like this is, of course, no, there's no disdain involved. No. I say it with disdain because it's kind of weird that one little, you know, micro baby would eat the other one <laughs> or they, they somehow they it's not like he's eating it, but they, the two of them merge and then become one inside the womb. It's wow. like. Wow. It's kind of kind of creepy. It's not disdain. It's creepy. Where's my, where's my slide whistle? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, check it out. There's lots of research out on this, and we're going to probably uh, hear more about it because I think it's going to it's going to sneak its way into the public consciousness, and then now we're going to start understanding some things that we've never we can't figure out why people are bipolar. So a uh, couple of comments on this. First of all, this. <laughs> And uh, all the other autism, all these things that are happening, this is clearly because of Monsanto. And when it comes to DNA stuff, or perhaps chemtrails. But e- either way, wait, shoot, man. Maybe this is what happened to our president. Maybe that's why we got two of them. <laughs> chimera. Just the opposite. Obama, the chimera. He tried to consume his brother, but decided to let him go and become the second president of the United States of America. All right, we'll keep our eye on that. Do you want to do end of show clip with uh, uh, Manning? Oh, if you got one. Well, it's it's a cla- it's a classic one. It's all long-legged Mac Daddy and how the white people are going to riot? Uh, no. No? Okay. Well, I have it in the show notes if you want to listen to it again. It's hilarious. He had Harry Belafonte on the other day. Manning? Yeah. Well, that, what, did, what did Belafonte say? He's a left-wing no, nothing, cl- nothing clippable. But really? Yeah, but he says uh, Obama's no good. Uh, who? Belafonte. Really? He said yeah. Obama was no good. Yep. Well, he's a communist, that guy, so you never know what he's thinking. <laughs> hey, man, he's from the Banana Boat song. Easy. He's, he's a communist. I mean, I was now communist. <laughs> Dayo. He should be uh, brunching with uh, Farik Shakira. What's his name? Zakari. Yeah. He's now, his name now known as, he's now known as Farik Shakira. <laughs> All right, everybody, the meetup is happening right after the show around 5 o'clock here in Pennsylvania in Shikshini. And uh, on Thursday, we'll be coming to you from Boston, the great state of Massachusetts, as John likes to say. Coming to you from the log house at the lake. Thank you very much, producers Michael and Sarah. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's uh, a pleasant day, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda. Dvorak.org slash N-A.